Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Yes, that's right. Coming to you live from inside our plastic protective bubble to keep us away from all that coronavirus that's going around. It is your favorite hottest true crime podcast in the streets. This is Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? And welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. We don't want what you got. Fran, how have you yeah. been protecting yourself, man? I know you got a very uh, social job walking around. People want to yeah. high five the, the mailman. Kids want to come up. Pick him up. Oh, it's Mr. Mailman Fran. Ha ha. Talk to you. Whisper a secret right directly into your mouth. Yeah. Cough on you. Whatever. You have kids at the house. What have you been doing to stay on the front lines of staying healthy? Um, Not letting people get too close. Uh, I wear rubber gloves, so I'm not. At work? Yeah. On like out. Out. out yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, is that coming down from the, um, the, uh. The Postmaster General, or is that no, just something, something you've just been doing? Just do. yeah, I, okay, wow. I that's that's very preemptive, Because the mail is very dirty. Is Packaged, it? It's very dirty, yes. Oh, I never yeah. thought about that. Yeah, so I don't know. You, you don't know. You never know where the mail is coming from. So all types of germs could be coming back and forth, you know. So I probably should stop when I... I like the smell of fresh mail, so when I take my mail out of the mailbox, I... You shouldn't do that. I go right across my nose, right underneath no. it, make contact with my face and everything like that. I should, I should probably... Stop it's that. a bad idea, yeah. I don't, I don't want all the full secrets. Like when you find out somebody works at McDonald's and they could tell you the real shit that's going on. I was like, I don't want you to tell me why the mail is dirty. Yeah. But it's dirty. Yeah, it's dirty. Yeah. Okay, I'll take, you, yep. I'll take your word for it. Rubber gloves. Yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah, no, I've been yep. just, you know, uh, don't, just trying to lay low. Um, I no longer dap people up. I salute. Okay. Um, that's what I've been doing. That's that's my motto for the for the um for the rest of the winter time and probably going into spring. Well, somebody walk up to you? Yeah, they go it's to reach their rude. hand. I go, you salute. You say, hey. Wow. You know, respect. Boom. Finger to the forehead and I throw it your way because um, I'm not making contact with anybody I don't know like that. Even people you know like that, you don't know what they do when they get home. Yeah. People are nasty, man. Yeah. People will dig right in their butt, come right up to you, you know, <laughs> you know, put their hand around your arm yeah, and man. their fingers come back around the other side of your shoulder, right about your face, you know, <laughs> and you think it's smelly outside. Yeah. And that's just the, up under their cuticles, you know. Hey, so, man. So I mean, I, house comfort on your home. Why not? No, nah, no, no. You should you should wash your hands all the time when when uh, people you, people need better hygiene skills. I went to Sierra had an incident. She uh she she choked at work. Oh wow! It was actually pretty serious. She had to go to the hospital. She uh she choked on like uh some 
a liquid medicine she's been taking. And her boss calls me halfway talking to me, halfway talking. So I don't know what's going on. Hey, wh- he's, hey, Alvin, hello. Uh, what hospital is she at? I'm like, what, what? the fuck is yeah. going on? What, what? What is this? So anyway, he tells me, yeah, she cho- she had like a choking incident, but she's fine. She went to ER. Long story short, everybody in the ER is wearing a fucking mask. I'm seeing people wearing masks like coming out of Wingstop. Yeah. People wearing masks outside. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's not it's not a game, man. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this coronavirus thing is... It's reaching full-blown pandemic mode. Mm-hmm. The crazy part is there are so many people panicked about the coronavirus that haven't even just done a, super, a simple Google search of what it is. Yeah. People think you're going to get blisters all over your body and die or something like that. Yeah. The coronavirus is like it's, it's like pneumonia. It's like a really bad flu. Yeah. So it spreads the same way all those things do. If you wash your Any hands. Any other cold. Exactly. You wash your hands, you stay hygienic, and you don't do disgusting things you yeah. lower the risk of passing it down now obviously there are kids in the world and things like and disgusting people as well yeah dis- disgusting adults who don't know how to wash their hands or not like touch somebody with a tissue or whatever yeah. so things are going to spread but i want to let people know that the coronavirus is not the bubonic plague like yeah. you're, you're not going to catch it and then go blind and whatever you, you if you take care of yourself even after if you caught the coronavirus it is not a death sentence yeah take antibiotics get some rest and stay hygienic, and and, and you will recover from this flu-like, yeah. pneumonia-like disease. It is not the the uh, apocalypse disease. Yeah. Just wash your hands. Yeah. With a newborn in the house, you have to wash your hands. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you can't come over touching little baby Max and yeah. dirty. Yeah. You know? Can't wash until some, uh, some hand sanitizer. Yeah, hand sanitize that shit, man. Yeah. Look, man, we need to just... This is a PSA <laughs> for life in general, but we'll take the coronavirus this moment in time yeah. to say, wash your hands. Nasty? Yeah. That's gross. nasty. Especially You're not washing bathrooms. your hands. Public yeah, bathroom man. wash their hands, man. Oh, my God. You touch that handle? You need to go wash your hands again after you touch yeah. the handle. I don't touch public yeah. handles. Take that tool. That, that, what you paper. just dried your hand with, Ooh. boom, then to- you, step back, Kobe fade away. Bang. Kick the foot open. Yeah, boom. And Walk you Kobe out. fade that into the trash, and yeah. then you go out. Yeah. You know, that's it. Yeah. Wash your hands, man. That's all I got to say on that, really. We'll move on, because I think we have an audience full of adults who know how to wash their hands. and. so. And, and throw away their tissues hygienically. Don't just leave them laying around for other people to pick up your tissues and potentially spread the disease. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move on and I want to briefly thank uh, Miss Esther Cudlow from the Once Upon a Crime podcast for having me on her uh, side venture. Let's talk about tr- uh, true crime. I had a great time doing that podcast. It, uh, you know, I put the link up on our Affirmative Murder Facebook group for people to check out at their leisure if they want to. We had a good time talking about uh, the Kamaya Mobley story, which we didn't talk about on this podcast because it, it wasn't a murder story, but it was pretty crazy. I, you know, I watch Ayanla Fix My Life, mm-hmm. and she was on there a couple of years ago. Her mother, or the woman that she thought was her mother, stole her from a hospital mm-hmm. and got away with raising her for 16 years. Yeah. Just about maybe an hour and a half, two hours away from where she stole it from. Mm. Birth certificate, fucking change name and everything like that. She got discovered when Kamaya tried to get a job somewhere and they needed her birth certificate. And then the whole thing unraveled. So it was a pretty crazy story. They did a Lifetime movie about it. It was nuts. You know, so it was a great time. I had a great time talking about it. I had a great time on Esther's podcast. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. She's a very helpful person. And and everybody knows that because if you listen to this, you probably have listened to Once Upon a Crime. It's It's a pretty big deal. Anyways, moving on, Fran, we're recording this moments before Oscar night. Yeah. And I know how much you love cinema. That's one of the passions that we share 
together. It brought us together as youth, you know, watching, you know, Bad Boys 2, uh, Bad Boys 1, yeah. uh, Big Mama's House 2, yeah. uh, Big Mama's House 1, yeah. uh, Martin. Martin and yeah, and yeah, uh, so, so very much we're <laughs> cinema, we're cinephiles, you know. Yeah. So I know you've been keeping up with all the, you know, Oscar-nominated movies of 2020. I don't even have to ask you that, you know. So it's going to be a big night. Uh, me and... Yeah, that's wrong, bro. Not a one. Nah. No. Well, I know a one. You saw Joker. I didn't see Joker. No. You didn't see Joker. No. We talked about the Agnosium on this podcast. You, we talked about shooters and all that. You never yeah. saw it. No. Wow. Okay. Wow. We'll get to the Joker then. Uh, me and I know the concept. I know, I know about it. I just haven't seen it. That's not the same thing at all. I'm not. I'm not even. I you don't can't even, be like. I know the concept of heart surgery. I've seen people who have had heart surgery. But I know what happens. I know, happens, how to I know what happens surgery. in Joker. I've seen other Joker movies or cartoons or whatnot. Same that doesn't thing. mean you know what happened. What's the, what, the, this, what is the, the biggest your, difference? Your movie between... logic. Your movie logic. You're not the person I'm gonna get movie logic from. Okay. <laughs> but I know what happens in Joker. What he kills a whole bunch of people. I know he's a do. mass murderer. I know you do. Okay. Okay. I don't care. I'm not gonna go see it anyway. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> But okay. yeah, continue. It's <laughs> stepped over all my excitement. It's Oscar night, Fran. And me and Sierra just the night before mm-hmm. saw 1917. Okay. Might be one of the best movies I've seen in my life. Mm-hmm. I remember briefly talking to you about this movie because I was saying everybody was talking about how good this movie is. And if I don't get to see it in the movie theater, I probably won't go see it because it's a big movie and I'm not going to watch it on my TV at home. Mm-hmm. I was very wrong. Um, it was probably one of the best movies I've seen in a while. Friend, hmm. what do you think 1917 is about? Um, most movies that have dates and it has to be like some type of war movie. I okay. Uh, I like your, your inference. Uh, your, your, I like you using context clues. Yeah. Okay. So it has to be some war movies. A whole bl- a whole white cast. It has oh, no black okay, people wow, in that okay, movie. Okay, wow, okay. I'm guessing, right? Yeah, uh, you're 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 on. You're okay. on. Okay. Uh, keep following. Keep pulling uh, that string. Keep pulling that string. I'm into this. War. Uh, some type war, of confederate. A white war. A white some war. Some type of confederate battle. I don't know. Okay, that's an interesting word you use. Confederate battle. Yeah, okay, so um, kind of yeah. Okay. That's about it. I can't even. Can't think of anything else. You about nailed it. Okay. And yet somehow that's with that simple easy. with that simple analysis of this movie that I thought was fantastic, you kind of nailed it, but it's better than what you just described. Mm. It is a war movie. It is all white people. Yeah. And it is some kind of confederate. Inter- oh, yeah, man. Oh, okay. it's graphic. It's beautiful. It is. I think it should win Best Picture. Um, mm. I, it was no exaggeration. Like, I'm not even joking around. It was one of the best movies I've, How long I've ever it? seen. By, like a little bit over two hours. Just just over two hours. Oh, it's not like it's not like yeah, it's not uh not the Irishman. It's not oh, three and a half hours. I long. No, thank you. No, it's about it's like a little over two hours. But Irishman was good though, so I actually they watched that. It's really good. The 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 distinctive thing about 1917 that makes it so amazing, mm-hmm. besides just it's just a good movie, is it's shot. Now I know they didn't actually do it because it's fucking impossible, but it's shot as if it's one continuous shot. Like there's no fade to blacks, no cut scenes. Mm-hmm. It looks like you're just walking with somebody through a war. Hmm. From start to finish, it is a camera following two dudes. When they stop, the camera will swing around behind their back, but it never cuts away oh. or stops filming. Yeah. Which is, it makes for like a very tense movie because it feels like it's you. Hmm. It feels like it's you following them through the war. Yeah. So it's pretty nuts. 1917, highly recommend. Moving on, I only want to talk about the movies that I think are going to win, the movies that I saw. So we're not going to talk about Ford versus Ferrari because who gives a fuck? I don't have a Ford or a Ferrari. I got no money. 
So moving on from Ford versus Ferrari, is that like a car movie or something. That I would cool. assume. What do you think Ford versus Ferrari is about? Cars. Cars. <laughs> it's like cars. It's like cars too. It's like cars. Yeah, yeah. No, it's probably about cars. I would assume it's Ferraris in the name. Yeah. Uh, the Joker. We know what that's about. I know you gave your description of that movie already. Um, nobody cares. Nobody cares about <laughs> about the Joker. One of the best movies of the year. Not sure. bad. Not take that back. The Joker wasn't one of the best movies of the year. Joaquin's performance in The Joker was one of the best performances of the year, period. And he's probably going to win Best Actor because of it. That's why you should see it. If I was gonna, okay. if I was gonna pitch you to go see it, it's some of the best acting I've seen in a while. So that was why The Joker was so good. I'll think about it. Anyway, moving on. Parasite. Yeah. Parasite is actually a foreign film, so I know you're never going to watch it. Nope. It is in Korean. Uh, it's a subtitled film, but it is an amazing film. Highly recommend Korean. Yes. Hmm. It is a Korean film called Parasite. Fran, what do you think Parasite is about? Okay. So that kind of, me thinking about it, mm-hmm. just the title, I was thinking something totally different than when you said it's a Korean movie. Now, that, that changed it for you? Thought. But I will go back with what I thought. Oh, yeah. I want to know what your pre-Korean so, thought yeah. was so I thought and why was, Korean changed it. I thought it was like some type of um, romantic movie. Parasite? Yeah, but has some type of twist to it. Okay. So it was a romantic movie about some guy um, that became rich. Okay. Uh, he built this business. Kind of like, um, I'll say this movie was, uh, <laughs> it was based on the true story of Jeff Bezos. This so is what was, you think Parasite is? Yeah. Okay, so okay. So okay, okay. movie, this okay. guy, uh-huh. had his, he had his wife. Oh, yeah. So he built his big business, right? Yes. Make all these millions and billions of dollars. I see where you're going with this, okay. Yeah. Wanted to leave his uh-huh, wife. Yeah, uh-huh, okay. But for some legal reasons, uh-huh. he couldn't leave his wife. Oh, okay. So he had to be stuck with her for the rest of his life, and she just sucked him dry. Oh, wow. All his money. She's the parasite. Yep. Wow, taking his money and yeah. doing okay. Wow, parasite. Yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah, all right, yep. Fran, coming with the. That was a very Archie Bunker type yeah. of perspective. That was, yeah, okay. That was some, some classic male mm-hmm. chauvinism you just threw yeah. on us. Okay, yeah, I, I fuck with it. That's all cool. director, man. I could, yeah, I could, I could, okay, I see. So yeah. Jeff Bezos. The the hero of the story, mm-hmm. making all his money, contributing well, to society, got stuck with some parasite of a woman yeah. who sucked all his money away from him. Yep, all of it. Parasite, yep. Oscar nominated, twenty twenty movie. Yep, Th- that that was that's a script. That's a script and a half, man. Yeah, man. That was detailed. When you came up with a, a romantic thing, you threw me off. I was like, where's he going with this? A parasite? Yeah. The twist. Yeah. It was romance in the beginning. Yeah. But then, like all women, mm-hmm. they became a parasite yep. and took everything that he had. Yep. I got I got a little bit of M Night up in me. Oh, that's the M Night twist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> this is a mad sexist conversation. We're going to <laughs> we're going to jump out of that. Uh, that was all satirical. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see what else. Um, another movie that I recently saw that I was that was snub. We don't have to talk about, but I just want to let people know. Mm-hmm. Knives Out was one of the best written and most top most topsy turvy, twisty turny movies I've seen in a very long time. It was fun. It was funny. It was well acted. There was so much drama. I love Knives Out. I'm a big fan of Knives Out. I recommend anybody go needs go see Knives Out. I recommend. I think you'd like Knives Out, Fran. I don't, I don't need you to guess what it's about, but I think you. I think you should watch it if you ever get a chance. It's a really good movie, and it was nominated for nothing except maybe best original screenplay, and I think that's a crime because the movie was great. Mm-hmm. So Knives Out, highly recommend Knives Out. Now uh, another movie that's kind of been controversial people talking about it whatever jojo rabbit yeah friend what do you th- 
what do you think Jojo Rabbit is about? Hmm. Jojo I'm really Rabbit. excited about this one. Yeah. Uh, let's see where this goes. So I think this is about okay. An actual rabbit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, an actual yeah. rabbit. Oh, again, the context clues. Yeah. Okay. A rabbit. His name named is Jojo. His name is Jody. Jo- his name oh, is Jody. Jody, rabbit, Jody right? the rabbit. Okay. So his dreams was become. Um, a hip hop rabbit artist, a, a right? rap, a rab, a rapper, yeah, if you will, yeah. a rapper. So he tried to make it. In, this is and this movie is a spinoff from Eight Mile. Oh wow, um, wow, yeah. be like a B rabbit, yeah. But he's literally a rabbit. Yeah, he literally be a rabbit. Yeah, you know okay. my brain can go there. Didn't yeah, I, I, um. So what happened was he tries uh-huh. to make it in the hip hop game, right? right. Now is the is everybody in the world animals or he's a rabbit within he's, the human world? It's kind of like um, Stuart Little. <laughs> okay, he's, he's just okay. The he's only, just the only rabbit. Just, yeah, but everybody else is people. Yeah, he dressed up in hip hop clothes. Wow. Tries okay. To become this this uh this this rapper. Yes. But you know he was in the battle rap scene, but wow. just didn't make it right into the hip hop aggressive. Yeah. So what happened, metaphors about carrots and so on and so forth within the battle raps. Yeah. Now is this a period piece or is this is this the nineties or is this now? This is now. Okay. Now it's twenty twenty. Yeah. This is now. Rabbit. Rab, rabbit rapper yeah. named jo- Jody. Yeah. Got it. So, um, that's it. That's all I think is about. That's, how does it end? Does he become a rapper? You got me on the edge no, of my he seat. Doesn't, he doesn't. He doesn't, but he finds the lesson somewhere else about life. Yeah. He end up, he, he, he ends up, um, retiring from rapping. Uh-huh. And then open up a, a, a grocery market full of, uh, carrots. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jojo Rabbit. Again, another, uh, I, I don't think that's what the movie's about, but I would I would pay you uh, upwards of seven million dollars to yeah. just get here's a camera and a crew and go make that movie, yeah, please. That'd be crazy. Uh, yes. Oh my God, Jojo Rabbit. I'm incredibly. Uh, I want to see that movie. He wears like a hat between his ears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, like Hey Arnold or something. Yeah, like yeah. It sits right in the middle. Yeah, because it wouldn't cover up the ears. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A little. Yeah, like a little hat right in between the two. Um, another one that is uh, nominated for Best Picture, Little Women. Yeah, in a, in a way that doesn't get us canceled. Okay, uh, just tell me what you think the movie Little Women is about. All right, might want to lock in for this. One. Okay, I'm ready. Please. So, Little Women, I think. Okay, <laughs> this movie is about obviously a woman. <laughs> yeah. Okay, a, a woman. <laughs> so this woman, it's called Little Women. Oh, women. These women. So it's more than one woman. Okay. So it's just a group of women, then. I was okay. Just, but yeah. I'm gonna just oh, okay. Talk about this one woman. Okay, one woman. Yeah. So this lady or these ladies. Uh huh. Um. So this is a lady who, uh, when she goes out in public, uh huh, she dresses in stilts. She she wears <laughs> stilts in public. Okay. But when she, <laughs> but when she gets home, uh huh, yeah, she has to take the stilts off. Oh uh, yeah. And she's uh-huh. about f- f- four foot eight. Okay, four foot okay. eight. That's short, but not crazy. Yeah, that's not, short. Not too bad. Yeah. Okay. So what happens is, um. She meets. Does a, she have? She just put the stilts like, uh, by, right by the door. Yeah, by the door. So she, you know, okay. clack and clack them on, and she go about business. Okay. But anywho, she meets. She then meets uh the love of her life, right? Okay. So mm, okay. he finds out that a love story. Yeah, he finds out that she is wearing stilts. You know, she opens up like, you know, I'm not really this tall. Oh, so he had just. Had they been dating for a while? She yeah, was deceiving been, him. She yeah. was deceiving him. Yeah, for a while. And Thinking he, she was like what? Maybe five. Set, how big uh, are the stilts? What is she with stilts on? Five, five, eight, five, five. five? Yeah, oh, nothing like crazy. Yeah, 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 light stilt action. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, he finds out that she does wear stilts, and then um, 
Now, did he He's, find out or did she confess? Because that's a big difference. She confessed. Okay, she confessed. well, that's noble. That's yeah. noble. Yeah. That's noble. I, that makes more sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So he was like, okay, I'm fine with that. You know, I want you to be yourself. So okay. That's what yeah. He tells uh-huh. her. Yes. She said, okay. Yes. They burn the stilts. Right? Okay. Well, burn. Okay. Yeah. They ceremonial. Burn. Yeah. So, yes, they burn. Free, your, free yourself free from yourself. these trappings. I want you to be yourself. Got it. Got but, it. But, okay. you know, they date for a while. But then he gets upset because by her being four foot eight, she can't get on any rides at the, at the amusement park. So what happens is he gets upset, right? But they do end up working it out. Okay, yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah, so... Uh, does he work at an amusement in, park? Why? Does he really no, like no, going just, there? He just loves yeah, going this to was the Yeah, this movie was based in Pennsylvania, so, so they, uh, they went to the Hershey Park. They went to Hershey Park. A lot. So that's what he got. He's got like a he's got yeah. like a yearly pass. He got, he's a big fan of yeah, Hershey he got Park. The, he got the flash pass, so you know he get all the he get all the you know he get more quick. Uh, yeah, 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 right, right, right. So this guy's just a big lifelong fan of Hershey Park, and it, yeah. his his spouse not being able to yeah. do that is a big deal to it's him. It's a big deal to him. Got it. So, got it. Got you know it, they okay. end up working uh-huh. it out. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what they did was right. Oh, it worked it out. Okay. They worked it out. So what they did was she has this community of little women, right? <laughs> uh-huh. So what they they talked came up with the idea to make their own amusement park for hope <laughs> for all these little women and all these little what is the what is the uh the right term little people little people little yeah, little people little people yeah so he manages it because he he's too big to get on the end of rides yes but so he has a love for roller coasters and amusement, yeah, amusement parks. parks so they built this uh amusement park for all these little people around the world uh-huh. and they live happy happy ever after okay wow yep. wow uh what do you think uh, <laughs> I uh, I think that's the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, that's not what that movie's about at all. Again, that sounds amazing, and I would I would I would take every dime out of the bank yeah. to fund this project to be yeah. made. Little Women, Fran, yeah, fr- directed by Fran X. Mm-hmm. We got to put an X in, at yeah. the end of your name f- for director for directorial yeah. purposes. You got to have an edgy name. I think it sounds good, man. Yeah, Fran X uh, would direct that that version of Little Women. Oh my God! I would love to see. Yeah. Um. The Irishman. We know. We yeah. know. We both saw the Irishman. I, like I love the Irishman. It was a yep. great movie. Um. Lastly, the last movie I really want to talk about, or not talk about. I want you. To, I want you to talk about it very mm-hmm. badly. Um. Is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, I personally did not like this movie. Uh. But did you see all the movies? No, I saw probably like four of the nine. Oh. Um. Jesus. But, friend. What what do you what do you think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is about? Hmm. So, in Hollywood, in all Hollywood, you hear yes. is about is uh, actors and all these famous uh-huh. people. So this one is about um, this guy, this white guy, white male. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. You, you you're on the money. Yeah. Who was homeless? Okay. Close. So this starts in this movie uh, begins in Skid Row where he where he where the story begins. Okay. So he's a homeless guy. So we open up on Skid Row. Yes. And this on this this dude you know waking up a, waking a, up a, a, a day to another day of being homeless. Yeah, but it's random though. Okay. It's like it starts the camera starts from the sky. Okay. It goes. Uh, what is the movie called? A Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is what starts. Uh-huh. And, the, and the camera comes down. Oh, it starts just, with the actual title of the movie in the sky. Yeah, Once Upon a Time but it in shows Hollywood. The whole, it shows the whole street of Skid Row. Okay. All the same people. And then the camera comes down and it randomly lands on this guy. Okay. Wow. Like an action shot. Fast. Boom. Yeah. Okay. So it randomly lands on this guy like God was like, you know, I'm picking him. him. Okay. So okay. that's how it starts off. Yeah. Okay. So I see the vision. Yeah. So then he's just living his life showing you 
uh, just you just know living. a day in the life of how a homeless, he gets his food a homeless person. Yeah, how he gets his food. Yeah. Like so that, huh? one day he goes to an alley and he finds this golden box. Oh wow! And the box okay. is filled. He opens in the box uh-huh. and it is filled with a task to become a famous uh, actor and director in Hollywood. The the box is golden, literally. It's, it's golden with a golden aura around it. And when do, he these, opens it, do these do these things, to complete these tasks, and you'll become famous. To a get famous actor. to escape Skid Row and being a homeless person to become rich and successful and a good looking guy as an actor or direct movie director. So wow. what he do what he does is he completes these tasks, fail to complete the task, oh, wow. and ends back at Skid Row. Wow. Yeah. I mean, did he, did he learn? Did, did he realize that being an actor is not everything is cracked up to be? Or he just, it's just sad. He just failed. Nah, it's just life. Just wow. didn't work out. That was, that's very no, morbid. No, no, no. Uh, happy ending to that Life one. lessons or anything. That's it's one just... of those movies you watch once because it's so depressing. Yep. Wow. Now, I that. know you probably don't realize this. Yeah. But that is actually an incredibly genius script for a movie about Hollywood life because so many people move out to Hollywood, like from Montana, like, I'm going to become an actress. I didn't pull this out my ass, man. Okay, my bad. I didn't know if you realized that that's actually, of all the fucking things you just said, Little Women and and the other things that you said, that is actually a pretty solid script uh, for a movie that I think sounds pretty good. I know. I mean, you go out to Hollywood thinking you're going to be somebody, you end up homeless, but then God looks down on you and says, yeah. I'm going to give you a chance to follow your dream. I mean, yep. you came out here to become an actor, and now you're a homeless. Yep. Uh, and the, they, you know, he, tr- this person, he or she tries these things, fails at them like everybody does, yeah. because there is no golden ticket to becoming famous. You, you have to work hard, and it takes a little bit of luck, and sometimes, even if you work hard... You don't have the luck, yeah, and you end up homeless again at the end. Yep. Of the, there's no, there's not always a happy ending. Yep, there's plenty of people who wanted to be an actor, had the talent, had the drive, just couldn't get in the room with the right people. Mm-hmm. Wow, um, no, that's not at all what Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is about okay. at all, even close. But uh, then I don't think it's a good movie then, so because <laughs> it's but not what your is movie. About? Yeah, uh, it's about it's. I tell you like this: you are closer than. I was I was kind of shocked because it is about actors. Okay, it is about white men, of course, and it's in Hollywood. Yep. So that kind of close. You were close. Yeah. One of them's kind of poor. Lives in a trailer. So okay, he's not homeless, but he's close. Yeah. Um. But other than that, that's that's about that's about what being close. I mean, it's not like a bomb trailer. It's (laughs) it's like. If it didn't have a roof on the trailer, he'd be considered homeless. Oh, okay. like it's, it's, it's not. It's not like a bomb trailer. There's bomb trailers. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I'm not no. shitting on trailers. Yeah. There's bomb trailers. This isn't one of them. Okay. Uh, that's our Oscar report again. I just yeah. want to give a shout. I don't know who won because we're talking to you guys from the past, but I hope Parasite won as many as it can win. I'm hoping rooting for 1917 and fuck the Academy for not nominating Knives Out for more things. Shout out to Joaquin Phoenix, though. The Joker was well acted. Moving on. What I want to do is, because it's Black History Month, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to take us out, I want to play a little ditty, an original from Miss Cynthia Erivo. She played Harriet Tubman. Mm -hmm. And uh, she did an original song for the movie. It's called Stand Up. It's nominated for an Oscar. I'd really like to see Cynthia Revo take home something. I don't. I didn't see Harriet because mm-hmm. 
I'm kind of off those movies. But I heard it's great, so I might check it out. Because when does this I, come out? When does this start? The Oscars? Yeah. Like eight tonight. Oh, tonight. Yeah, they're tonight. Oh. They're tonight. Okay. Uh, Cynthia Revo recorded an original can song. Can you watch it and not see the movies? I mean, you can do anything you want, but I mean, does it? it make- it's almost like watching. I don't know. I don't. I don't even have a comparison for that. I mean, if, if you watch the the it, the 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 Grammys and didn't listen to any of the music that was nominated, but you I'm don't really sure have a dog in the race. Some of the, some of the music in it. Yeah, that. you can unintentionally hear some music. Yeah. I guess so there's some albums that you wouldn't have heard. For me, it's yeah. for me, it's crazy to me that you haven't seen at least three of the movies huh. that are nominated for an Oscar. The way that you just said that about music yeah. is how I feel about movies. Where it's like, I mean, you kind of can just stumble upon them. A movie that you heard was good, but I guess not. I, music takes like two minutes. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't have two hours all the time to watch movies. Fair enough. You can watch the Oscars without having seen any of the movies, but you don't really have a dog in the fight. You, If anything, you're watching it to go, oh, that looks like a cool trailer for that movie. Maybe I'll check that out. That's a reason to watch it, sure. Oh, yeah, the trailers I'll, I'll watch. Yeah, they'll that. give you the little snippets in between while they're saying the nominations for this are and all this kind Who's of hosting stuff. hosting it? I don't know. They haven't really been doing hosts for anything for a while ever since oh. Kevin Hart got in trouble. So they usually just have a bunch of different hosts, mm. and that's stupid. Uh, somebody hosted something recently, and they did a good job. Maybe Ellen or somebody. Somebody hosted something, and they did a good job, and people were saying... Alicia Keys? Probably. I don't know. Oh. But sometimes they want to host, sometimes they don't. I don't know. I don't care. Mm. You know, people's past is their past. I don't know. So, like, you're going to bring up tweets from fucking 15 years ago, and people can change. Anyway, um, I want to play Stand Up from Harriet the Harriet Tubman biopic or whatever it is and shout out to Cynthia Erivo I think she's very talented and this is just another uh, example of her talent uh, bag what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're gonna talk about some fucked up shit so stick around with my face turned to the sun weight on my shoulders Bullet in my gun. Oh, I got eyes in the back of my head. Just in case I have to run. I do what I can when I can while I can for my people. While the clouds roll back and the stars fill the night. That's when I'm gonna stand up Take my people with me Together we are going To a brand new home Far across the river Can you hear freedom calling Calling me to answer Gonna keep on keeping on I can feel it in my All right, and we are back. Fran, it is your turn to go first this week. So please, uh, take it away. Uh, so my affirmative murder this week is about Peter Sutcliffe. Okay. Um, his other names are um, Peter William Conan. Okay. And his nickname given was the Yorkshire Ripper. Yorkshire Ripper. Yes. Wow. Okay. So this is overseas. This is across the pond. Yes. Okay. Yes, sir. So Sutcliffe was born in Bingley, was born in Bingley in the West Riding of Yorkshire to a working class family. 
He was given a Catholic upbringing by his parents, John William Sutcliffe and his wife and his wife Kathleen Francis. Um, Kathleen, I think Kathleen Francis Conan. So I'm guessing he had like a couple aliases. Just, yeah, yeah, okay. So reportedly a loner, he left school at age 15 and had a series of um, different jobs, including two stints as a grave digger in oh. the 1960s. Could you do that? Grave digger? Yeah. No. What is the annual salary you could take to do that? Minimum. Um, hundred thousand. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, that's that's because that's a lot. That's a lot of mojo to take home. That's that's bad vibes. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. It's uh. Stuff jobs like that, I just can't. I feel like mentally it would just like yeah just that drain, or being like just, a person that uh, works at the uh, like um, the funeral home yeah doing that, the, yeah. like embalming bodies yeah oh mm-mm. yep or being is that is that what no I don't even want to go into it but yeah okay. I get what you're saying <laughs> uh, so yeah he 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 included two stints as a grave digger in the 1960s mm-hmm. between November 1971 and April 1973 Sutcliffe worked as a Baird television factory at the Baird television factory on a packaging line he left this position when he was asked to go on the road as a salesman mm. I guess he just wanted to keep it simple I guess didn't want to stay with yeah I don't like being on the assembly line anymore I just want to go out and huck these TVs hustling yeah. But that's but he 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 didn't want to become a salesman though. Oh, he he turned that down. He, yeah, when he was when he left his position to ask to be to go on the road as a salesman, that's when he left the job. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yep. So after leaving the television factory, Sutcliffe worked night shifts at the Britannian Works of Adderton International from April 1973. In February 1975, he took redundancy and used half of the what is the currency for UK was it pounds a pound pounds. I believe yeah um so he took half of of the 400 pounds pay off to train as a heavy goods vehicle driver mm. on March 5th 1976 he was dismissed for the theft of used tires we call that getting our, our CDLs over here yeah and I did not know in places other than North America they, they spell tires T-Y-R-E-S there's so many things about uh, other parts of the world that I'm like, that's a stupid way to do that. Yeah. But it's just like, we are the yeah, only, yeah. we're doing it the stupid way. <laughs> Everywhere so, I'm like, you use the, you use metrics? Yeah. That's dumb. It's pounds. You're like, yeah. no, sir, it's, um, it's, it's meters or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. That's stupid. It's feet. Yeah. So, but yeah, they spell it differently. So he was unemployed until October 1976 when he found a job as a HG. HGV driver for T and W H Clark um, on the Canal Road Industrial Estate in Bradford. Mm. So Sutcliffe, by some reports, used prostitutes as a, as a young man, and it has been speculated that he had a bad experience during which he was conned out of money. Mm. Well, that's not good. Yep. Um, that other, could be a, that could be a stressor. Yes. So uh, other analysts of his actions have not found evidence that he actually sought their services although he clearly expressed unusual behavior behavior before killings mm. so Sutcliffe met Sonia Sorzma um, on February 14th 1967 they married on October 10th 1974 she suffered several miscarriages mm. and they were informed that she would not be able to have children she resumed as a teacher trainer course during which time during which time she had an affair with an ice cream van driver ooh He's really building up that hate towards women. Yeah. 
Yeah. When she completed the course in 1977 and began teaching, she and Sutcliffe used her salary to buy a house in Heaton, Bradford, which they moved into on September 26, 1977. And and where they lived at the same time of Sutcliffe's Sutcliffe's arrest. So they was gathered together during this whole time of him. And he became like a stay-at-home husband. Yeah. Okay. So through his childhood and his early early adolescence, Sutcliffe showed no signs of abnormality. Later, in part related to his occupation as a grave, dig- grave digger, he developed an unhealthy, macabre sense of humor. In his late adolescence, he developed a growing obsession with um, voyeurism and spent mm. much time spying on prostitutes and, and the men seeking their services. Mm. He's a little freaky freak. <clears throat> yeah. <Okay. clears throat> So Sutcliffe assaulted a prostitute that he had met while searching for a woman who tricked him out of his money, which I said earlier. So he left his friend Trevor, Trevor's minivan and walked up to St. Paul's Road in Bradford until he was out of sight. When he returned, he was out of breath, mm. as if he had been running. He told Trevor to drive off quickly. Sutcliffe said that he followed a prostitute into a garage and hit her over the head with a stone and a sock. Oh. According to his statement, Sutcliffe said... I got out of the car, went across the road, and hit her. The force of the impact tore the toe off the sock, and and whatever was in it fell out. So the mm. rock that was in the sock fell out. Right. Um, and then I went back to the car and got in. So he was just kicking it with his friend Trevor, and then maybe they were both looking for some action for some sex workers, and maybe he jumped out and went up the road. Or probably was like, hey, stop right here. Oh, probably, they probably was just together hanging yeah, out. Yeah, you know, hanging out like a regular night. Do something. Mm. And then just park right here. Hop out, run around the corner or whatever. So police visited his home the next day. As the woman he had attacked had noted Trevor's vehicle registration plate, mm. Sutcliffe admitted he had hit her, but claimed, but claimed it was his hand. The police told him he was very lucky as the woman did not want anything to do with the incident. She was a known prostitute and her husband was serving a jail term for assault. Mm. So, so she just was like, just another day. Yep, exactly. I don't want to go to court. So move on. Yeah. Wow. Um, Sutcliffe committed his second assault on the night of July 5th, 1975, and Kylie. He attacked Anna Rogolsky, who was walking alone, striking her unconscious unconscious with a bell a bell peen hammer mm. and slashing her stomach with a knife. Mm. Disturbed by a neighbor, he left without killing her. Rogolsky survived after extensive Extensive medical intervention, but was psychologically traumatized by the attack. That ball peen hammer, man, that's... Oof. Mm. Yeah. You don't even see those that often. No. I don't know really <laughs> know what it's for. It's like a hammer, and it has like a little uh, tip on the yeah. end of that. I don't know what you bang with that. I guess... I don't know. I'm not that manly, so whatever it is, I'm sure it fits right into whatever it's supposed to be banged. But as far as like for kneecapping people or... Breaking bones. Whenever I see a mob movie, they it's like, what do you use? It? But what to break fingers? But what project? But what project do you go? Yeah, you I need a ball peen hammer. You need a ball peen hammer. Again, I don't know. Maybe fix t- changing a transmission or some other manly thing that I don't do. It's just something you got to hit that it's not flat like a regular hammer. You that's, just got to use that. That's my guess. That. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe smithing a sword. Yes, yeah, I don't know. Just something I don't. I just don't know. Yeah. So Sutcliffe attacked um, Olive Olive Smelt. In, Herif- in Halifax in August, employing the same MO. He struck her from behind, mm. used a knife to slash her, this time above her buttocks. Again, he was interrupted and left his victim badly injured but alive. Jeez. Like Rogalski, 
Smelt suffered from emotional and mental health problems, including clinical depression. Yeah. On August 27th, Sue Cliff attacked 14-year-old Tracy Brown and Slidesden. He struck her again from behind, hit her on the head five times while she was walking along a county line. He ran off when he saw the lights of a passing a passing car, leaving his victim requiring brain surgery. So Sue Cliff was not convicted of the attack but confessed to it in 1992. Mm, I'm concerned because there's an escalation coming because he doesn't he's not having enough time to do what he wants to do. Yeah. So he's gonna do it faster. And he didn't even get to slash that girl. So it's gonna turn He did, into- but he didn't slash her. Um he didn't slash her like he wanted to. Oh yeah, no, it's gonna it, yeah, it's, this is gonna progress. This is this that's that's scary. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, this the the Olive he did, but Tracy the third did girl it. he yeah, did. Tracy it. he did. Yeah. yeah, you're right. So the first victim to lose her life in Sue Cliff attack was Wilma McCain. On October 30th, McCann from Scott Hale from Scott Hall and Leeds was a mother of four. Mm. Sue Cliff struck her twice with a hammer before stabbing her 15 times in the neck, yep. chest, and abdomen. Yep. An extensive inquiry involving 150 police officers and 11,000 interviews failed to find the culprit. Mm. One of McCain's daughters died by suicide in, the, in December 2007, mm. reportedly after suffering years of depression over her mom's death. Just mm. sad. Very, very, very sad. Very sad. So I saw that coming, though, because it's like the, those three times he's too scared to actually stab him. And then it's like. And he keeps getting interrupted. I'm going to get caught yeah. if I don't so complete just, these just, jobs. So he just went for it. Yeah. 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 So Sue Cliff committed his next murder in Leeds in January 1976 when he stabbed 42-year-old Emily Jackson 52 times. Oh, my God. In dire financial straits, Jackson had been using the family van to exchange sexual favors for money. Sue Cliff picked up Jackson, who was soliciting outside the Gady Pub on Round, on Round Hay Road. He then drove about a half a mile to some um, vacant buildings in Enfield Terrace in the Manor Industrial Estate. Sue Cliff hit her on the head with a hammer and then dragged her body into a rubbish, rubbish strewn yard and used a sharpened screwdriver to stab her in the neck, chest, and abdomen. Sue Cliff, stamped, Sue Cliff stomped on her thigh, leaving behind an impression of his boot. Mm. Why? I don't want to get torture. He just wanted to, he just wanted to inflict pain. That's super random, though. Yeah, that's mad random. It's moments and stories like these where I, I'm never anti-legalizing sex work, but... I understand it more because in a situation like this, if somebody was a sex worker but it was legal, you could keep a record book, you can get their real name, their identification, to where if something happens to you, there's a there's a trail. Oh, but yeah. because it's illegal, you're using you fake names and cash and you aren't you aren't really don't feel comfortable going to the police and telling them what the circumstances were that this happened under. Mm-hmm. So I understand and that's in situations like these where I go yeah, man, if there was some kind of, like, this woman's working out of a van, if she felt comfortable working out of her house and taking your actual name, let me get a photo identification. Yeah, let sign me, in. Yeah, let, yeah. Let, me, let, me get a, let me get a copy of your, of your ID to put in the back, put it in my files, yeah. stuff like that. Then if something happens to you, there's there's a trail to go back to. Yeah. So, yeah, wow. It's really vulnerable because you're just on the outskirts of society dealing with people who aren't even giving you their real name. Yeah. So Sue Cliff attacked 20-year-old Marcella Claxton in Round Hay Park in Leeds on May 9th. Walking home from a party, she accepted an offer of a, of a lift from, from Sue Cliff. When she got off the car to urinate, Sue Cliff hit her, um, hit her from behind with a hammer. Mm. He always got one of these. Keeps one on deck. Hammer. Um, so she was left alive and testified against Sue Cliff at his trial. At the time of, his, at the time of this attack, Claxton 
had been four months pregnant and mm. su- subsequently suffered a miscarriage. Oh man, that's yep. terrible. So that was another one. Yeah, he left. He just didn't finish. On February fifth, Sue Cliff attacked Irene Richardson in Chapel Town, a Chapel Town sex worker in Round Day Park. So he's in the same area. Yeah, Richardson was bludgeoned to death with a hammer. Once she was dead, he mutilated her corpse with a knife. Tire tracks left near the murder scene resulted in a long list of possible suspect suspect vehicles. That woman, something must have. There must have been a lot of traffic or something. Like, for what? For that woman, Claxton to have survived that. Because at this point, he's stabbing people fifty times and doing all this shit. He didn't get you know cold feet on the woman Claxton who he killed before the woman you just did. Yeah, maybe she there must got have away, been, run or yeah, something. Yeah, that's crazy. Cause they was, I'm guessing they was on side of the road. Yeah, she had to pee. Maybe it was a, like a busy road. Something happened to where he said, "Fuck this, I yeah. gotta get out of yeah. here." Cause at this point, he's full on killing people now. Yeah. So two months later, on April 23rd, Sucliffe ki- killed Patricia Atkinson, a sex worker. And by now, Ollie, you yeah, she noticed Ollie's a sex. Well, worker. he's starting to most of them. He, he's workers. once he gets into that rhythm of knowing these are the people I should kill. These are the people that I'll have let a higher chance of getting away with killing. Yeah. You start to get in your groove. Yeah. You start to figure out how you're going to kill them and the hammer. You start to see the, he gets his pattern together. Yeah. That's the crazy part about the serial killer shit to me is when it's you- like trial and error. Exactly. You yeah. go from, okay, stop using duct tape to using zip ties. And now every murder is a zip tie murder. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So Patricia Atkinson, a sex worker from Bradford, um, in her flat where police found a, a boot print on the- on the bed sheets. So two months later, on June 26, he murdered 16-year-old Jane McDonald in Chapeltown. She was not a sex worker, uh-huh. and in a public perce- perception, showed that all women were potential victims. Yeah. Like at this point, yeah, just the public are like, oh, anybody, everybody's, is, yeah, uh, in danger. Yep. So Seacliff seriously assaulted Marine Long and Bradford in July. He was interrupted and left her for dead. A witness misidentified the make of the car. More than 300 police officers collected 12,500 statements and checked thousands of cars without mm. success. On October 1st, 1977, Sucliffe murdered Jean Jordan, a sex worker for, from Manchester. In a confession, Sucliffe said he had realized the he had realized the five pound note he had given her was traceable. Um, fingerprints. Something. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Oh, this might have been before fingerprints. Oh, I don't know. I, I was pretty. I don't know if five pound note is that like it's like five dollar money bill. yeah, yeah, yeah money yeah. but mm-hmm. so it's just it's just money yeah, but it's like a five dollar it bill. wasn't I'll get to why I was straight okay I'll get to I was oh okay yeah. oh cool cool so after hosting a family party at his new home he returned to the the Westland the Westland behind Manchester's Southern Cemetery where he had left the body to retrieve the note unable to find it he mutilated Jordan's corpse and moved it. Mm. On October 9th, Jordan's body was discovered by local dairy worker and future actor Bruce Jones, who had who had an allotment on land adjoining the site where the body was found and was searching for house bricks when he made the discovery. Mm. The five-pound note hidden in a secret compartment in Jordan's, in Jordan's handbag was traced to branches of the Midland Bank and Shipley and Bingley. Mm. Police analysis of bank operations allowed them to narrow their field of inquiry to eight thousand employees who can who could have received it um in their wage in a wage packet. Wow, there's no way you can do that now. Yeah, if it's not so fingerprint, like, that's I mean you could trace yeah, money so was, back to the bank. And, yeah, because only a certain only two banks had them. Right, so it was just like 
Okay, now we got a small. But oh, this still. is like this is like when the when the blue face hundreds first got in the rotation. And yeah, it's like only a bank in Montana has those right now. Yeah. So if you got that if you got that money in rotation, it's like every state doesn't have these. Okay. Yeah. So like a five, the five note, the five pound note might not have been. It might have been a new thing. Yeah, it was a new thing. So got only it, Two got banks, it. only two banks, and got those got employees it. that worked there had it. Right, and and it's like a big deal. So they know, like, I'm not giving these out to just anybody. Yeah. So okay. they were saying that only eight thousand employees had, could have gotten that in their in, wow. their, in their pay. Wow. So over three months, the police interviewed five thousand men, and in, including Sutcliffe. The police found that the alibi given for Sutcliffe whereabouts was credible. He had indeed spent much of the evening of the killing at the family party. Weeks of intense investigation per- pertaining to the origins of the five-pound note led to nothing, leaving police officers frustrated that they collected an important clue but had not been able to trace the actual um, employee mm. within the firm to which the note had been issued. Right. That's a clutch clue, though. Yeah. That's impressive, even though... It, but that's it, sick. Yeah. Like, you got this clue and you can't even, like, it's going nowhere. And then got you the think, guy right in palm of your hand. Right, exactly. You then you think about, like, we might have interviewed him. It was one of the dudes, maybe, yeah. you know? So on December 14th, Sutcliffe attacked Marilyn Moore, another sex worker from Leeds. She survived and provided police with a description of her attacker. Tire tracks found at the scene matched those from an earlier attack. So, I mean, like, t- he's probably, like, three for, like, six, four for six or something yeah, like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, if he, if he, if he didn't kill you... Something happened that you got really lucky. Yeah, because he's he's doing it in these in these crazy like public areas, or it's like on yeah. the side of the road, or some type of area of traffic where people can walk or drive past. And right? at this point, he's in full on kill mode, so it's oh, yeah. never a, an idea of hesitance or he saw something in your eye that made him not want to kill you. If he didn't, it's because he couldn't. Like somebody stumbled upon him, yeah, and he had to flee. So the police discontinued the search for the person who received the five-pound note in January 1978. Mm. Although Sutcliffe was interviewed about it, he was not investigated further. Um, so he, But they say he was contacted and disregarded by the Ripper squad on several further occasions. Mm. So they talked to this guy multiple times and just... He's got an alibi. He was at a party. That's crazy, man. And I think we talked about that before. Like You have this people sitting right across from you and you... Just can't prove it. That's crazy. Uh, the mo- uh, that month, Sutcliffe killed again. His victim was Yvonne Pearson, a 21-year-old prostitute from Bradford. He repeatedly bludgeoned her about the head with a ball-peen hammer, then jumped on her chest before oh. stuffing her before stuffing horse hair into her mouth Jesus. from a discarded sofa under which he had hid her body near Lum Lane. Her body was not found until uh, March 26th. This jumping on people thing is like super disrespectful. That's like a weird thing to do. Yeah. And the thing was like she like jumped on the the girl's bed. Yeah, she might have been in the bed. I feel like he might have jumped on her, and yeah. then he just a and, then, just and then took her out of the bed. So then his boot prints on the yeah. bed. But it's you not, thought he yeah. was just jumping on the bed. Just that's what I thought at first. I oh. mean, when you saw, I was like, he just you know he's still he's he's figuring it out. <laughs> that, that is one t- that is the weirdest shit. That I one that he like kills you and then jumps on your bed for fifteen minutes. That's <laughs> nuts. That is that a great more than anything. If that happened in like a horror movie, somebody like slashes a person that. <laughs> Jump on your bed for like 15 minutes. That is wild. That is terrible. That is like, that will terrify me after the movie, like seeing the first time seeing Paranormal Activity. Oh, yeah, yeah. That would stick with me for a while. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want to see somebody jumping on the bed laughing because it would go, oh, that movie where the dude jumped on the bed with a bl- bloody knife in his hand laughing. That He wears like a, 
some type of mask with like a kid's face. Oh smiling. god! Oh my god! It looks like the Mad TV kid, the the, the, the oh yeah, with the, the ginger hit. kid with the gap tooth. Wow. Oh my god! Terrifying. <laughs> That's fucking terrifying. That is crazy. That's fucking. That terrifying. would be crazy. Uh, so ten years later, what? Ten days later, he killed Helene Reitka, an eighteen-year-old sex worker from Huddersfield. He struck Rika on the head five times as she exited his vehicle. The ball team. Yeah, before stripping most of the clothes from her body, mm. although her bra and polo neck jumper were positioned over her breasts, before repeatedly stabbing her in the chest, Jesus. her body was found three days later beneath railway arches in the timber yard to which he had, um, which he had driven her when he took Jeez. her. So May 16th, Sutcliffe killed Vera Millward in an attack in the car park of Manchester Warrior Infirmary. Infirmary. So, um, he killed, what was her name? Yvonne, and then 10 days later killed Helen. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm trying to figure out what date that was. I'm sorry. So, it was was a couple, it was like a month. It was like a month after. A month apart. Yeah, a month apart after he killed Helen and the other girl. And Yvonne. Yeah. Got it. So, April 4th, April 4th, 1979, Sutcliffe killed Josephine Whitaker. A 19-year-old building society clerk from whom he attacked on Seville Park Moor in Halifax as she was walking home. Mm. Despite forensic evidence, police efforts were diverted for several months following a receipt of a tape message purporting to be from the number from a murderer taunting Assistant Chief Constable George Oldfield. Oh, so he's getting cocky now. Yeah. Um, so this is the guy that was that was leading the investigation. And I want to play that the clip of what um the tape they sent to the um the guy that was leading the investigation. Okay. You got that thing fired up? Yeah. Okay. I'm Jack. I see you are still having no look catching me. I have the greatest respect for you, George. But Lord you are no near catching me now than four years ago when I started. I reckon your boys are letting you down, George. They can't be much good, can they? The only time they came near touching me was a few months back in Chapeltown when I was disturbed. I warned you in March that I'd strike again. Sorry it wasn't Bradford. I'm not quite sure when I'll strike again. But it will be definitely sometime this year. I'm not sure where. Maybe Manchester. I like it there. There's plenty of them knocking about. They never learn, do they, George? I bet you've warned them. But they never listen. Well, it's been nice chatting to you, George. Yours, Chuck the River. Sounds like a Jamaican. Yeah, that was really caught me off guard for a second. I, oh, you don't, you don't want to come around here. I don't want to stop me one time. I'm gonna book and shot George. You never seen me at one time four years ago now. Yeah, and then I kind of got into the group. I could hear the British, but for the first about twenty five seconds of that, I thought I was listening to um, Shabarang or something. That, yeah. that was that was <laughs> wow. Yeah, so so that was very cocky. That was to uh, Chief Constable George. And if you didn't hear the beginning part, it was probably the most important part. He said, um, "I'm Jack." I see you're having no luck, no luck catching me. I have the greatest respect for you, George. But Lord, you are you are no near catching me then now. You four, than years you was four years ago when yeah. I started. Mm-hmm. So, based on the record, the recorded message, police began searching for a man with a weird side accent. So they use uh, uh, a linguist. 
A linguist. A linguist. Yeah. <laughs> I just because when I looked it up, it was like they use ling- linguistics. Linguistics. Yeah, like, these are words. <laughs> words uh, it's hilarious. I mean, I know it's a word, but it's hilarious when you a say li- it. Though. A linguistic. I'm a linguist. <laughs> linguistics. Like what? I what? study what? linguistics. Uh, it sounds so yes. like a, a you know a, um, an Olive Garden dish or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so by using by using the um, linguist, the linguist, a linguist. Yeah, linguist. They narrowed down the Castletown area of Sutherland. So they just they that's crazy how you can just by actually they're from this province. Pick, yeah, that's yeah. that's wild. So the um, well, I mean, if you you I know I'm a Baltimore linguist. Yeah, I know if you're from Baltimore, and I know if you're from Maryland. What part? If you're from the DMV, yeah. I'm a I'm a Maryland linguist. Mm-hmm. I know where people are from based on their their accent and what words they use, specific to the state. Yeah. So, dubbed the Weird Side Jack sent two letters to police and Daily Mirror in March 1978, boasting of his crimes. The letter signed Jack the Ripper. Oh. Claimed responsibility for the murder of 26 year old Joanne Harris in Preston. In November 1975, at the time, police mistake, mistakenly believed that Preston murdered murder was not public knowledge. So they found out that the recorded message wasn't from. It was just some some it was a some hoax. nut. Yeah, some nut wanting some attention. Yep. Wow. So it wasn't from um, Peter. Right. So they said the hoax. The hoaxer was reopened in 2005, and the DNA taken from the envelopes was entered into national database. So now, DNA shit comes in. Changes everything. Changes everything. This is not who we're looking for. This is just some nutty, um, some nut job. Attention seeker. Who name was John Samuel Humble, who was an unemployed alcoholic and longtime resident of the Ford Estate in, South- in Sunderland, a few miles from Castletown. Castletown. Uh, so was charged in with attempting to pervert the, cur- the course of justice for sending the hoax letters and tape. Mm, just a troll. Yeah. It's like trolling before trolling was a thing. I don't know if they knew each other, but probably Peter not. and this dude. Yeah. Oh. So humble whose DNA had been taken following a drunk and disorderly offense in 2001 was matched in the custody was matched was remanded in custody on March 21st, 2006 was convicted and sentenced to eight years in prison. Humble died in July 30th of 2019 at age 63. Wow. Yeah. So For wait, what? so, so he made that phone call in like you said the seventies. This was in yeah. Oh wow! So they came, they got him as soon as the DNA was available. They ran the. Letter. Oh yeah, they oh, ran that. Wow. Got his ass. Like he's a grown ass man with big grandkids and shit. Like I did that was thirty years ago, man. I was a joke. Well, joke these. <laughs> so you're joke these cuffs on. Now you gonna die in prison. <laughs> uh, so September first, Sucliffe murdered twenty year old Barbara Leach at Bradford University. A Bradford University student. Her body was dumped at the at the rear of Thirteenth Ash Grove under a pile of bricks close to the university and her lodgings it was his 16th attack the murder of a woman who was not a sex worker again alarmed the public prompt an expensive publicity campaign um, emphasizing the weird side connection despite the false lead Sucliffe was interviewed on at least two other occasions in 1979 so when they heard his accent from then yeah knew that they were looking for somebody with a weird side accent or whatever that is yep and so now they know he has one, and he's been invested. I don't know. I, I'm not going to try to. <laughs> people's jobs are hard. Yeah. So despite matching several forensic clues and being on the list of 300 names in connection with the five-pound note, he was not strongly. Sus- he was not a strong suspect. Sucliffe was interviewed by police nine times. 
nine times. How are you not a strong even... suspect if you're getting interviewed this many times? Wow. That's he a pretty you keep, every time. You keep coming up and nine different times. It's like, oh, it's just coincidence, man. This dude just, you know, he's always at a party somewhere that's close to a murder. That's wild. So in April 1980, Sutcliffe was arrested for, a, for drunk driving. While awaiting trial, he killed two more women. He murdered 47-year-old Margaret Walls on the night of August, August 20th and a 20-year-old Jacqueline Hill, a student of Lee's University, on the night of November 17th. Hill's body was found in the, the grounds of the Lupton residence. He attacked three other women who survived. With a case pending. Yeah. Wow. Oh, he went off. Yeah. Wow. Um, so he attacked three other women who survived. Her name was Yefeda Barbara in Leeds on September 24th. And Maureen Lee, an art student, attacked in the grounds of Leeds University. So he was going off near the school. I yeah. Mean, this is like five victims near the school by itself. On October 25th, and 16-year-old Teresa Sykes attacked in Huddersfield on the night of November 5th. On November 25th, Trevor... Birdsale, an associate of Sutcliffe, reported him to the police as a suspect, but the information vanished into the paperwork already accumulated. What? I mean, he's just catching a lot of breaks. Um, he tagged like five people at the school, all these young women. Guy turns them in, says it's this guy, whatever. Yeah, but we'll just, get on it, man. We'll get on it. Put it in the put it in the pile. Yep. Wow. What year is this? Um, this was in. 80s, 1980. Okay. Yep. So, January 2nd, 1981, Sutcliffe was stopped by the police with 24-year-old prostitute Olivia Rivers in the driveway of Light Trades House in Melbourne Avenue in Broomhill, Sheffield. A police check by probationary constable Robert Robert Hides revealed his car had false number plates and and Sutcliffe was arrested Mm. and transferred to Dewsbury. Police, he transferred to Dewsbury Police Station. At Dewsbury, he was questioned in the relation of Yorkshire Ripper case as he matched many of the known physical characteristics. Yeah. So, I mean... All just, of them. <laughs> the next day, police returned to the scene of the arrest and discovered a knife, hammer, and rope and he had discarded that he had discarded when he briefly slipped away from the police after telling them he was bursting for a pee. Come on. How the fuck do you have enough time to do all that? He must have had it all in the bag and then... <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing when, whenever I hear these, I try not to like insult like detectives too much. But saying that he discarded these things where he's like he had to pee really bad makes me think he had on some kind of bag, yeah, full of duct tape, a hammer that he uses to kill people, and all these things. And they go, "Hey, uh, what's in that bag?" Oh, you know, books. I'm in school. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Well, you might, I gotta go pee. Come back. Doesn't have the bag. What happened to your bag? Dropped in a lake. Yeah. Okay, well, have a nice day. You know what I mean? Like, just, oh, come on. So, Sutcliffe had a second knife in the toilet in the toilet system at the police station when he was permitted to use the toilet. So, police obtained a search warrant for his home at the Sixth Garden Lane in Heaton, Bradford, and brought his wife in for questioning. So, he hit a, he hit a knife in the... In the top of the toilet. In the top of the toilet yeah. at the police station. <laughs> Savagery. Uh, when Sutcliffe was stripped at the police station, he was wearing a he was wearing an, an inverted V-neck sweater under his trousers. The sleeves like, had like like inside out or backwards. Backwards inverted V-neck. Yeah, I don't. That doesn't make because the V. If it was inverted, maybe he was wearing. <laughs> maybe 
<laughs> maybe he was wearing it. The inverted means like upside, upside down. down. Maybe he was wearing it. Let me finish. Let me finish first. I know I, I said the same thing. So he was wearing an inverted V-neck sweater under his trousers. Uh-huh. The sleeves had been pulled over his legs. <laughs> so he was wearing the, he was wearing the, 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 the V-neck sweatshirt like some long johns. <laughs> so he had the sleeves. So that means when you pull it up, it's like a <laughs> <laughs> Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. So, <laughs> let me that means finish. it's like a that no, means let, it's me like, finish, <laughs> let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. So he was wearing an inverted V-neck sweater under his trousers. The sleeves had been pulled over his legs, and the V-neck exposed his genitals. Yeah, like it looked like he had like a little pyramid over his dick, because <laughs> it's just it's just like an A, like a like an A, an A is over his over his dick. <laughs> wow, oh. I did not see that. That means he's got all this sweater up. Yeah, it's yeah. like under his nip. It stops under his nipple. That's oh, that man. is the most that is that is the most insane thing I've ever heard of a person doing. That oh, is wow. crazy as shit. Maybe he just didn't have long johns or something. That's crazy as shit, man. An inverted. Maybe he's in a rush. An inverted V-neck sweater. Yeah. So wearing the, a yeah. sweater as bottoms is yeah. nuts. The V-neck, the V-neck exposes genital area. The front of the elbows were padded to protect his <laughs> knees. <laughs> Wait, no. So that means he had the that means he had the V-neck on backwards then, because the pads go on the back of the elbow. So if they were on your on the, your well, I guess you yeah. could twist them around. That's because the if the V's I mean, over you can't, the you can't say that's uncomfortable because it's, he had it's already uncomfortable. Yeah, it's already, yeah, it's already uncomfortable. Everything about this is uncomfortable. He was wearing a padded V-neck sweater with the pads on as knee pads. Yep, that is bonkers. So he wore the elbows. Yeah, the front of the elbows were padded on to his protect knees. his knees. So that means he he knelt over his victim's corpse. The sexual implications of this outfit were considered obvious. But it was not made public until the until 2003 publication of a book that um, the hunt for the Yorkshire Ripper by Michael Michael Bilton. So after two days of in, intensive questioning, wait, hold on, wait, wait, wait. The sexual implications are obvious. That's what they said, and it wasn't. They didn't say anything until the book was until the book was written and out to the public. I, I mean, I mean, if I had to make a guess. The, it ain't obvious to me because I. That's what I mean. I wouldn't have thought that. I'm assuming the sexual the sexual implications are he has knee pads on so he can kneel down and when he takes his pants down his dick's already out because he's not wearing underwear and and his dick is just is just out because of the V neck. Yeah. That's not obvious. <laughs> that's crazy as shit. Yeah. I, that's not obvious, man. Jesus. I guess he's just talking about the knee pad part. I guess. Well, he got on his what, legs. What so... is the, what would be the point of wearing knee pads? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Jesus Christ. A sweater, an inverted V-neck. Yep. Wow. Yeah, so after two days of intensive questioning on the afternoon, January 4th, 1981, Sucliffe suddenly declared he was the Ripper. Over the next day, Sucliffe calmly dis- described as many his many attacks. Weeks later, he claimed God had told him to murder the women. Oh, he displayed emotional on, only when talking... Um, talking of his youngest victim, Jane McDonald, and when questioning about the murder of Joanne Harrison, he aggressively denied responsibility. Harrison's murder had been linked to the Ripper killings by the Wearside Jack claim, and in 2011, DNA evidence demonstrated the crime had been committed by a convicted sex offender, Christopher Smith, um, who died in 2008. Mm. 
So Sutcliffe was charged on January 5th. At his trial, he pleaded not guilty to 13 charges of murder, but guilty to manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility. The basis of his defense was he claimed to be the tool of God's will. Sutcliffe said that he had heard voices that ordered him to kill prostitutes while working as a grave digger. He said the voices originated from the the headstone of a Polish man, Mm. Bronslow Zabakowski, and that the voices were that of God. Yeah, no, I need about a quarter million. For what? To do Oh, do that job? Yeah, yeah. The, the price just went up. <laughs> so he pleaded guilty to seven charges of attempted murder. The prosecution intended intended to accept Sucliffe's plea after four psychi- psychiatrists diagnosed, diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia. But the trial judge, um, Justice Sir Leslie Borham, demanded an unusual, unusually detailed explanation of the prosecutor's reasoning. After two hour after two hour representation by the Attorney General Sir Michael Hayes, a ninety minute lunch break and another forty minutes of legal discussion, the judge rejected the dismissed responsibility plea and the expert and the expert testimonies of psychiatrists insisting that the case should be dealt by the jury. The trial proper was a was set to commence on May fifth, nineteen eighty one. So the trial lasted two weeks despite the efforts of his counsel James Chadwin. Sucliffe was found guilty of murder on all counts. It was murdered and was sentenced twenty and was sentenced to twenty concurrent sentences of life imprisonment. Mm. The jury rejected the evidence for of the four psych- psychiatrists that Sucliffe had paranoid schizophrenia, possibly influ- influenced by the evidence of prison officer who heard him say to his wife that if he convinced people he was mad, then he would get ten years in the loony bin. Mm. So he had a, a plan, I guess. Yeah, he was uh, he, he was he was going for that insanity. <laughs> He's going for that insanity plea. Yep. Uh, so the trial judge said Sucliffe was beyond redemption and hoped he would never leave prison. He recommended a minimum of a minimum term of thirty years to be served before parole could be considered, meaning Sucliffe would be would have been unlikely to be freed until um, at least twenty eleven. So on July sixteenth, twenty ten, the High Court issued Sucliffe with a whole life tariff meaning he is unlikely to be ever released. Good. The whole life tariff was introduced by the government in 1983, and over the next 20 years, it was reported that Sucliffe was among the small group of prisoners to have been issued uh, with a whole life tariff. So politicians were stripped of their powers to set a minimum term for life sentences for life sentence prisoners in November 2002. And the final say on how long the, the life sentence prisoners can serve has rested on the high court. So some term they have over there in the UK called whole lot term where you can't get out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Can't get out of prison. Ever. Ever. Okay. So after his so trial. So like without parole. Yeah. So after his trial, Sucliffe admitted to two other attacks. He was decided that prosecution for these offenses were not in public interest. So West Yorkshire police made it clear that the victims wished to be remain unanimous. Unanimous? Anonymous? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Anonymous. Oh. Yeah. So that was just like the beginning that. These people didn't even want to know. Yeah, yeah. Didn't want their name out there. Just like, I don't want to. Yeah, whatever. I don't want to be involved. He's in jail. He's in prison for the rest of his life. Yeah. Just let it go. So that was the um, Yorkshire Ripper who just, I mean, he was just wow. on a, a, a tear, tear, man. Really. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Um, Jeez. Imagine wow. if he would have killed all those people. Yeah, I mean. That's a lot the of The ones them. that he missed, that add, that adds up, you know. Jeez. Yeah, the Yorkshire Ripper. Um, wow. Yeah, he did yeah. a lot of damage, man. Jesus. Yeah. Um, wow. Well done. Uh, what we're going to do is 
we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's my turn to finish out the show, tell you guys some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, and we are back. Fran, my affirmative murder this week is a bit of a, you know, a, a, a bit different than what we usually do here. I gather my evidence from Cracked as long as several other French news sites because my story is French in nature. Um, this is the story of a fatal bromance. Okay. It's the last supper of Lucien and Oliver. Hmm. Okay. So after two men who were indulging in a summer feast of roasted beef and canned beans dropped dead during the month of August 2017 in the French village of Alton du Perche, the small town fa- the, the small town found itself in the center of what seemed to be a sinister mystery that gripped the entire country. Neither the body of Oliver Boudin, who was 38, found lying on his back on the ground, or the body of Lucien Perrault, who was 69, who was still sitting at the terrace table before a half of, in front of a half-finished plate, which included some cam, some camembert, which is, it's like this smooth, creamy cheese mm-hmm. that you dip like baguette bread into. It's very good. And you can like season it with herbs or mm-hmm. fruit. Very good. And they both, they both were, they both were dead. Both were dead. And what's his name? With Lou, Oliver, and Lucian. Okay. Oliver was 38, Lucian was 69. It's a different for a man, I guess. Lucian. Oh, it was French. Okay. That might be like Bert over there. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, so uh, Lucian was still sitting at the terrace table in front of a, a half-finished plate of camembert, uh, a partially eaten baguette, and a glass of wine. So is this is this like um, Unsolved or one of the mystery type ones? I'll get to like it. You, like you did a while back? It might, might be. I'll get to you it. You know what I'm talking about? Um, the one I don't that know. just blew up and just oh the lady the yeah, lady whatever. she spontaneously combusted yeah that uh, could be considered along okay. those lines I guess uh so uh neither of them showed any signs of an attack or a fight and there was no indication of a break in or a robbery hmm. a neighbor who spotted them at six a.m. the previous Thursday at Perot's home assumed they were sleeping off the effects of the wine fueled evening from the night before and let them be sound like a riddle. It's not. It really happened. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real story. Uh, the unnamed neighbor is quoted as saying, at, "At first, I told myself they must have had a pretty, they must have been pretty drunk to still be sleeping. Then I saw Lucien still sitting at the table a bit later. I thought it must have been an extremely drunken evening." The neighbor eventually called the police after noticing that the men had still not moved by midday. So again, like I said, this was a, a table like on a terrace. They were having they were having like a night on the balcony, eating food, drinking wine, yeah. and you could look up and see them at their table on the balcony. Hmm. So she looked up. Oh man, this guy slumped over on the table. This one's laid on the floor. They must have got super turned. Yeah. But then by like three thirty, it's like they still out there. oh they're still sitting out there. I'm gonna call the police. As onlookers as well as police began to swarm the area. Theories began floating and speculation arose that the tin of preserved beans was contaminated, mm. bringing on a swift and fatal case of botulism. You familiar botulism, with botulism? No. Botulism is a, food process, is a food poisoning caused by a bacterium called, botul, called botulinum, uh, which grows on improperly sterilized canned meats and other preserved foods. Mm. Now, like a canned meat would be such a spam or... Yeah. 
like maybe sardines, like but any kind of canned food. Like it could be canned fruit. And if the can isn't clean, the food that's housed within it is now contained, contaminated with botulism, and it, it can be fatal. But it's a very rare disease. It's only like a thousand cases of it a year like around the world. So Now? Still? Yeah. yeah. I mean, man, you can get E. coli from dirty lettuce. Sometimes shit is just, sometimes people don't wash their hands. Yeah. It's simple as that. Or sometimes the meat is old and it rubbed up against a can when they were, you know, whatever. It, sometimes motherfuckers just don't do the clean thing. Yeah. That happens a lot. I've seen a many of those documentaries about how dirty the uh, what about food apples? food farming is. Apples, apples, yeah. apples, apples probably can be dirty. You know, I they mean, the, whoever you, you got to pick them. Mm. Somebody got to touch the apple. That's why you always things. wash your fruit, man. Always wash your fruit. Yeah, the only fruit that I imagine is safe from not washing pineapples. With, well, pineapples. That's the third one. Okay. Pineapples, avocados, and bananas. Oh yeah. Anything that that the thing is. Being protected from yeah. what's on the inside, you, you're good. But no, like a tomato. Avocado. Yeah, because you're not eating the outside of the avocado. You got to cut the avocado open. Fruit. That's a fruit? I believe an avocado is a fruit. Yeah. I might be wrong. A tomato a tomato's a fruit. I think avocado is a fruit. I could be wrong. Let me know. Somebody out there, out there, let me know. One of those avocado heads. Um. So, yeah, so people began, began to swim around. They started being, started being speculation of it being botulism. And detective dis- detectives dispatched the can of beans along with the camembert, beef, bread, and wine to the Pasteur Institute in Paris for analysis. Mm. The test for botulism came back negative. Mm. The local mayor, Patrice Legrite, told journalists the dinner scene looked as if it had as if time had suddenly stopped. So it was like everything was just preserved. However, they were you know they went out having a good time. Talking about politics, smoking a cigarette with the little stick on the end so the cigarette's really long like Cruella DeVille or whatever French people do. Uh, looked up at the Eiffel Tower and said, you know, hail France. And then they went back to the apartment, cooked some meat, had a, poured some, some wine, were eating some cheese, and then all of a sudden, boom, dead. Yep. And it wasn't botulism. The mystery grew larger by the day. Who or what had, had killed this harmless Merlot drinking du- dinner duo? The police found no signs of struggle, and the two men hadn't any enemies and led simple lives, according to a neighbor. How nosy ass. How do you know? I'm sorry? How nosy ass. How do you know? You know, you, you know as much as, you know, looking at, walking out your door, hey, what's going on? Nice weather, huh? You know, and if, the, if that person is nice in that response, and they don't seem like they're having a lot of riffraff coming over, you can paint your own picture of what you think your neighbor is. Yeah. I'm convinced one of my neighbors, and I'm going to point in a direction, is a serial killer. Yeah. Can I pr- or former? He now has like you know back issues and things like that. So I don't think he is now. Why from lifting bodies? Just a whole bunch <laughs> yeah, of man, my, my brain can go there. But he's incredibly nice. Probably I told you. Outside. Sorry. Look, man. Let's, let's not. Let's go try it out. Dig no, it. man. I'm not. This okay. is not Disturbia. I'm not Shia LaBeouf. I'm not going to go open his garage and film and I see a body and that's you know I'm not, I'm not doing that'd be, that. That'd be wild. Exactly, and I won't be doing it. Now, what I'll say <laughs> is he's super nice to me and he made me a pecan pie and I ate it. I probably should have second guessed it, but I ate it and it was very good. Very nice to me. But I what still. What if he put like some type of slow uh, something in that that kill you like five years later? I mean, I, my my level of uh, acid reflux has gone up. In the in in uh, in recent times, so it could be attributed to that pie. It might be slowly killing me and giving me some kind of gastro issue. Too but late now, TBD. You know, as of right now, I see him. Hey, what's going on, man? Nice day, huh? Oh man, Ravens, huh? Some, Does he something bring up like the pie that. All the time? 
No, only oh, made me pie once. He's not often it. making me pie. That, no, I said, did he bring it up? That no, 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 no. He never. No. He, Remember he, that pie? Yeah. You like that pie, huh? <laughs> Say it all shading and walk away. Can't walk one day. You wake yeah. up. Yeah. No, let's move That's on. Scary, man. <laughs> let's move on. You creep me out. Uh, so uh, no, according to a neighbor, they um they live simple lives. Uh, they were certainly not the sort of people who would be picked off by the mafia. Is that they sound? That's my attempt. You sound like the guy from SpongeBob. The three hours late. He's French. So I'm nailing it then. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The confounding case gripped the nation, but curiosity quickly turned depressing when doctors finally determined the real cause of death. Okay, what is it? Perot had literally bitten off more than he could chew. He choked to death on a 1.5 ounce chunk of roasted beef. Some, like Fran, who's looking at me crazy, may be wondering, why the fuck didn't Boudin just jump up and give him the Heimlich maneuver and fucking help him, man? It's his friend. Well, uh, Boudin was going through his own incident because he was suffering from a heart attack that was triggered by the sight of his friend choking to death on meat, and he died from his heart attack. Uh, and uh, when, the news was re- uh, when the news was revealed, locals were heartbroken by such a stupid death. But being French... They did respect the overwrought nihilist metaphor of how utterly pointless life is. So, uh, I can agree with that. Yeah, that was the from everybody. You know, the 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 the, the, the city of, of Paris was in in gripped in in trauma. Who killed these nice men who were just enjoying a dinner? It's like they just choked because you can just die like that sometimes because that's how life is. That is wild. Sometimes shit just happens because we don't matter. I heard a story that. Um, I talked to this lady and her husband passed away. Uh-huh. And he was having like I guess you say he was having a heart attack. Sure. So they called the um the ambulance. Mm-hmm. He came and then they was like, Oh, you know, I think we I think he had a he I think I think he had a heart attack. Right. And he went, Oh, a heart attack and that's when he died after he was Oh, like he didn't know he had a heart attack yeah, and, and him being it, told he yeah. had a heart attack yeah. made him have a worse heart attack. Yep, and died. Wow. Yeah. I was like, Whoa. Yeah, that's trippy. Shit. Don't tell me. Tell me later when I'm out of the woods. Um, so they just... Geez. It was just all, you know... That's just and again, the, the, I was drawn to the story because of what happened to Sierra earlier this week. Again, she was at work. And let her tell the story. You know, it... We can laugh about it now, but it's kind of trippy for her to be telling me. She's like, there was a moment... Because she says she was choking for about 15 minutes. She goes, there was a moment in there where I'm like, is this I'm how I fucking out, yeah. is this how I die? Like really? Yeah. This is stupid shit. You know, so that's a trippy thought to have in your head. Yeah. I had that one point in my life. I um I burned my kitchen down and I tried to put the fire. You know, and it just in a brief moment you see a fire in your house. You're like, am I about to burn my house down? Yeah. Um. Other than that, I haven't had too many moments like that. Don't everybody have that moment. I mean, you have to be. It has to be. You have to look back on it and realistically later on to yeah. realize, like, were you really in that much danger? Like, if you slammed on your brakes, headed to a red light and stopped, or you, did you have a near-death experience? You know, like, have you... I'm sure people think they have, but have you really? I mean, have you really, though? Yeah. I, I mean, have one. Yeah, I mean... I'm just... Care to share, or... Am I care to share? Well, I got robbed one time. Okay, yeah. That'll, that'll do. I thought I was like... But I was like... 12 and I was like that's probably worse I mean yeah but you go but at that age you don't death is not even like yeah yeah you don't have you don't really have a concept of what's happening so it was like yeah yeah that probably would have been more you you would have more of a um 
a surreal experience as an adult an with adult. kids yeah. and all this kind of you like think about that in that moment yeah. that yes 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 um yeah no but some people didn't go through anything really that serious but if it felt serious to you then i'm not going to take away from your yeah, experience yeah, yeah, yeah. but some stuff is like you really almost died and some stuff is that was scary and my heart's beating fast but that is that is that's nuts yeah no to that's be having a night and then yeah to be having a good time with one of your good buddies they say these two were like um like father son type they weren't father and son but like i said um one of them was 69 and the other one was 38 so they, there was an age difference and they were just you know good friends and one of them started choking which triggered a heart attack in the other one and they died right there on over some dinner over some cheese and some wine maybe it was like a panic attack that caused the heart attack it was like what do i do i mean could have been yeah That's i mean crazy. again like i said i'm tempted to go get her almost to let her tell the story on mike um what you think think i should go get her yeah, because I want to hear it. I haven't heard the story. Okay, hold. Hold, please. I'm going to edit out this me walking away. Okay, cool. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Sierra Fath. <laughs> hey, friend. What's up? Nothing. We were, having, we were having a discussion about near-death experiences, and the story that I just told was about a guy who choked to death <laughs> and his friend across from him had a heart attack because he panicked that his friend was choking to death. Yeah. And that brought up near death experiences. And we were talking about you and people who've had near death experiences. And I thought it'd be a good time. It's cool for, you know, for you to tell Fran about what happened to you earlier this week. All right, Fran. So, um, on Tuesday mm-hmm. at work, I was, um, I have Lyme disease. So every, every, day at work I have this I have like certain supplements and things that I take to make me feel better Mm. one thing that my doctor's been having me take lately is this powder (laughs) this like powder form that I'm supposed to mix Mm. into warm water but I have to mix it and drink it pretty quickly because it's kind of dense so it sinks it's kind of like soil my coworkers and I joke and call it my soil Mm. anyway um, I was kind of rushing because I was at work. I had a lot of stuff to do. So I was mixing it up, went to drink it, and it had a big clump at the bottom. I didn't really think much of it anyway. But you know how, like, you'll look into your, your drink. Like, sometimes you can see at the bottom of your glass, and when you're drinking, you see it. I did see it, but I just thought, like, oh, okay, just, you know, whatever, swallow. Immediately, it got lodged in my throat and I knew right away that I was like screwed so I was like okay all right so I got a question Mm -hmm. so now was you drinking it fast for you not to catch the yeah okay I was drinking it fast and like I did look down for like a split second and I remember seeing a clump yeah yeah yeah, because I do this every morning okay and um but it I did go up my dosage so that is newer lately. So I've been mixing three teaspoons into this little bit of water. So rather, a bigger clump. Yeah, well, yeah, bigger clump. Anyway, I swallowed it, and it immediately got stuck in my throat. And, and I you know, had a moment of being, like, totally freaked out. But I was like, okay, okay, let me just drink water. Let me mm-hmm. get something to kind of push it down. And then I drank my water, and it would not push it down. And I tried again, would not push it down. And then I realized, like, 
this this shit's like actually really stuck like yeah. fuck but you can so still breathe though i could breathe, breathe but okay. i was like gasping oh got you so it was like lodged in there but it wasn't you know like the same shape i guess as my esophagus mm. <laughs> so there was some room to to breathe but i was like <gasps> you know mm. like gasping and so <laughs> so then i ran to the bathroom because i knew that this this wasn't I wasn't able to swallow this so I ran to the bathroom and I knew like okay this has to come out mm-hmm. I so I tried to make myself throw, throw up right and I'm at work and my coworkers all, and my boss all saw me like kind of have that moment of panic in my eyes and ran to the bathroom but they gave me a minute and I was in there trying to make myself vomit and I could not it could not come out it mm-hmm. was completely lodged so then my coworkers could hear me you know dry heaving and shit and mm-hmm. so they came in they're like, Sierra, are you okay? And then they realized that I was like red in the face. They were like, oh shit, she's like actually choking. Anyway, this whole thing lasted like, um, I thought five to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. My coworkers think it was more like 15. And my boss ended up coming in there. He was giving me the Heimlich. Uh, the girls were getting me. I was trying to um, like, uh, signal people to them crying. to get people are crying. <laughs> um, my, I had my co. I was like trying to signal to my coworkers to get me like hot water because mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe I can melt it. Yeah. You know, I like burn my tongue. Like it was bad. I was like, <laughs> I was trying to do. I didn't give a fuck. I was mm-hmm. like anything to get this down. And so, but I remained pretty calm. <laughs> you know, even though this was a really scary thing. So anyway, then my boss comes in. He's giving me the Heimlich. It's not working. He calls 911. They're on the phone with him, explaining to him, a, like, you know, trying to walk him through giving me the Heimlich again. And it wasn't working. And on during that time, the paramedics were on their way. Mm-hmm. And Tell him about the thoughts. Tell him about the thoughts. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we were talking about. For, For the first time, I, I genuinely had thoughts in my head where I was like, which sounds really dramatic now, but I really had thoughts in my head where I was like, no fucking way is yeah. this how I'm going out. I'm not choking at work. Like, this is not how I'm On going out. Dust. On mushroom dust. So was at some point you couldn't breathe at all? It was just... No, was I, just, I could, could breathe. I could breathe the whole time. But but what we were concerned about and what the paramedics were concerned about was if it, if it moved at all, could I not breathe at that point? Okay. I figured that if that happens to somebody and they start to panic, yeah. they'll go... Make it worse. Yeah. Mentally, you go, I can't breathe, so you make yourself not be able to yeah. breathe. Hyperventilate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was, I was pretty, I was pretty calm, and I was very upset. I was like, you know, it hurt like a bitch, and I was like, really having those thoughts where I was like, this isn't happening. Right yeah, now. I was like, no fucking way. So, um, yeah. So the, anyway, the, actually, once the paramedics got there, and there were like nine of us in this one bathroom <laughs> stall. Once the paramedics got there, it actually sunk from right here mm-hmm. on my throat down to, like, my chest. Mm-hmm. It felt like it was in my chest. So at that point, it was like I could breathe a lot better, but it okay. was still completely stuck there. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, I was very nauseous from the whole thing, and, and then we were afraid if I was, like, going to throw up. Will I throw it up mm-hmm. and then it gets stuck again? So it was this – it was – I did not want to go to the hospital. They all were like – come on, you know, we need to take you. There's yeah. an ambulance here. And I, at that point with it in my chest, I was like, fuck no. Like, I'm over the worst of it. Like, I just want to, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go at all. I was just glad to be okay. 
but they were like we have to make sure you know you you can like pass this down down to your stomach and stuff and um and now I can talk but I definitely was just like whispering for Wednesday uh, Tuesday and Wednesday so what did they have to do when you got to the hospital honestly nothing because because in the ambulance ride go down by itself yeah, in wow. the ambulance ride, it went, it, it, it stayed in my chest for a while. And then once I actually got to the hospital and Alvin was there and my coworker Sarah came, um, at that point, while I was waiting to be seen, it, it dropped. Mm. So I was fine. So that's why I was kind of like, man, I don't want to like pay all this money for like x-rays and stuff yeah. like that. Because at that point, I knew I was good. Mm. But I guess it's still good I went. And yeah. I just, um, I actually... We talked to the, my sister Jade works at that hospital as an x-ray tech. And mm-hmm. so she actually knew the doctor that was seeing me. Okay. So um, we were able to have like a real talk conversation about like, do I actually need an x-ray or not? Mm. Because that's going to be, I don't know how much money that would be. But anyway, she was like, if you're not better in a few days, you need to come back and get an x-ray. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to get one right now. I was like, sweet, good. Okay. <laughs> so awesome. hopefully I don't. So was that like, have you ever swallowed a piece of ice? I'm sure I have. Was it, so I'm guessing it wasn't the same, wasn't it? No, like, I've never, I've never had anything like this happen before. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I do remember as a kid, I had a, like, cream saver or some kind of caramel candy or something stuck Mm -hmm. in my throat as a kid. Um, And my grandma had me drinking hot water. That's must, that must have been how I knew. Yeah. My grandma had me drinking hot water to melt it. Yeah. And I remember it was stuck there for a while, but then I was okay. But mm. this was like full on, uh, like really genuinely thought this could go really badly. That so was wild. Yeah, and anyway, I blame Alvin because All last right, no last <laughs> episode of this podcast, mm. you guys were talking about how 2020 has sucked so far. Yeah. And then Alvin said verbatim, "How can this year get worse? Said, this year right, can't right. get worse." Maybe if maybe if I died, well, guess what, Alvin? Maybe if I died, how about that? I knocked on wood. How Anyways, about that? Plug your socials and get out of here. Well, I'm glad you feel plug better. Your, plug your plug plug plug, plug your my stuff. socials. What is your, catch me catch me art? catch me at fath underscore design. Yeah, and get F A T H underscore art. design. Custom art. Get some custom art. I'm yeah. working on it downstairs right now. You're so bad at this. Get out of here. Okay, you plug it for me. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks. Take this dog with you too. Come on, Bob. All right, that was Sierra Fath from Fath Art and Design. You can find her on Instagram. She does custom artwork of all kinds of things and all kinds of events and whatnot and sports teams and all that. Um, yeah, I felt like that was just that was just a trippy. Uh, it was pretty trippy, you know. Like we can, like I said, we can laugh about it now, but it was. It's, Were you at work? I was off that day. You was home, okay. So I was able to go straight there. But it's pretty trippy to like have a moment of yeah. Like this is this it? You know, and be living in it. So that's pretty yeah. crazy. Anyways, well, let's uh, turn things around and get a little on the bright side. Let's jump to these good vibes. That's right, folks. It's time for some good vibes. Although it may be cold outside, depending on your region, let's warm each other on the inside. Nothing weird. No weird vibes. Let's warm each other on the inside with some good vibes from all walks of life. Uh, you know, I, I recently said that I believe winter was going to miss us. 
I got some pushback on Twitter and other sites from people who are saying, it snowed here. Winter didn't miss us. I was talking about Baltimore. <laughs> it was a very regional statement I made. I don't know what's going on in your neck of the woods. Yeah. It missed us, apparently. Fran, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? I'll go first. Okay, go for um, it. Switch it up a little bit. I have two good vibes. Two good vibes? Yeah, one, me and Steph had uh, a date night last night. Ooh, we have kids is rare. Ooh, so I'm gonna put we, in some uh, like uh, some sexy um, um, TV show owls and oohs right here. Yeah, so uh, we went to finally. I've been wanting to go for so long, uh-huh. but you can't even walk in this place if you're not planning on spending 150 plus. Okay, boss moves. Can you guess what it was? I mean, I know some places. I, I that's that's pretty. You know, that's that's on it for me. I would say if I had to guess, knowing you and knowing your very specific flavor palette. Yeah. I would say it was um, either Ruth's Chris or uh, uh, no, no. It's, it's not fuck with the show. Yes, it is. Oh, okay, yes, okay, yeah, okay, cool, okay. Yes, it is. Nice, yes. Welcome, I, sir. Welcome. I love it. Oh yeah, my goodness. More than you can eat. I love that. More place. than you can eat. I love it. You flip that card and it's a go. I love that place, man. Yeah, man, it's a good time. <laughs> now, what I would argue with you on, not argue, because it's it's a, it's a perfect environment for anything. Yeah. That's actually more of a group outing type of place, if you yeah. got the right type of friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that... I don't. Yeah, so. I mean, I mean I, I, I've been lucky to um, meet people. I got a lot of, like, older friends. Mm-hmm. Being Sierra's, Sierra's older than me, yeah. and then she had friends that were older than her. So I'm able to go to dinner. Like last time, I remember last time we went to a thing with like some childhood friends. It was when you got a promotion at your job. Yeah, and and it was I was you know going back and forth with Stephanie. We were trying to plan it, secret yeah, yeah, and all yeah, this yeah. kind of stuff. And I picked a place that I thought had a good atmosphere and all this kind of stuff. People come in. What's this cost? That I don't eat these. This I don't eat that. I don't like people with limited palates. Yeah, telling me. Just eat the food, man. I'm a foodie. Yeah. If I tell you it's good, it's good. <laughs> but at Fogo the Show, you don't have to worry about that because everything's delicious. It's meat. And you can just get bottles of wine. It really is a place designed to be there for like three to four hours laughing and eating food and taking your time. Yeah. Because if you try to eat too fast, you're going to get full too fast and you're not going to get to. And you also got to know what to pass on. Yeah. Because they got some really good. Everything's good, but they got some really good stuff that they only bring out every like 15 minutes. Yeah. So you got to know, I'm going to pass on the bacon wrapped pork. I'm waiting yeah. on the I'm waiting on the the um, the um filet mignon or lamb chops or whatever. But yeah, man, that's awesome. That's a good yeah. date night to get away from the kids on. Yeah, man. it was. I, I love that place, man. Yeah, it's a good atmosphere. Did y'all get a little dressed up? Yeah. Did you do valet or you parked in the garage? I parked in the garage because my car was dirty. So I didn't want to. Oh, you know what? You want to pull up on the valet with it? No. Nah. Little, 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 <laughs> looking a little disheveled? Well, my car was dirty. I didn't want to. Oh, okay. And my, and my key fault wasn't working. So I didn't. Oh, I okay. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah, want yeah, those yeah, 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 yeah. I don't yeah, want to yeah. pull up in valet and yeah. then, you can't like your car. But yeah, you got to. So what you do is you you tap the go the, the, the start bank, button twice. You step on the yeah, you, you step on the brake when you do it, but then turn it upside down and close your palm. Yeah, I didn't like, want to. Sir, I'm not doing that. I didn't want to. I parked cross street. We walked cross street. So that's fine. But I love that place. We had a nice time. Those when you have kids, those nights are rare. Yeah. So when we do get a chance to go, it was super nice. We dressed up. I love that place. I'll definitely go again. You gotta spend some money. Yeah. But it's 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 good food. Well though. worth it. It's good for, and it's you, well and it's it. it's not called this, but it is all you can eat. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah once yeah. you pay to eat, 
They'll bring you food until you can't eat anymore. Yeah. So you can't really put a price on that. You just you can just eat as much meat as you want. Yeah. They got a, a salad bar that's delicious. I love Highly it. recommend Fogo de Show. I love it. Love Fogo de Show. Food's delicious. All the servers are great. I yep. always have a great time at Fogo de Show. Yep. Um, yeah, man, that's great, man. Y'all go out skating backwards, tongue kissing while you walk into the car. I see yeah. you. I see you, friend, doing yep. doing you know living like y'all single for the night. I respect yeah, it. I had a good time. That's dangerous. Though. That's how you get. That's how you get friend number three. Nice like that. Nah. Yeah, keep those nice to a minimum, man. <laughs> Nah, man. I had another good vibe, but I forgot. I got so caught up. Uh, <laughs> Fuck with this Just show. thinking about meat, I, huh? Yeah, Just thinking that, about that steak. Should, and, that yeah, shit was delicious. delicious. Yeah, 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 okay. Well, that was enough of a good vibe for me. Huh? If you if you think about it, you can. Oh, I know what it was. I know what oh, it was. Okay. There we go. So uh, we took Max to the. Uh, he had his monthly checkup. Okay. So this might not be. People probably like what? Why does that? It matters to me. Okay. The doctor said that he's going to be really tall. So really like, tall. What? He's gonna be tall. I was, like, how? was really tall. I was like, how? Because you got about five nine and some change, five Man, ten. All I thought about was, it's my basketball player right here. He's gonna be how? How, how you know he's gonna be tall? If you Just, get him, if you get him anywhere north of, of five ten, you got something to work with. <laughs> you got you got if you got if he hits six, if he hits six, that's a that's a league potential. You can that's a league that's league potential. I you got can play, excited. You can play the one at six feet. <laughs> I got excited. Okay. I was like, what? At least oh. get you a D two scholarship. Get yeah. you get you some free education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah okay. I, thought, I just thought that was good vibes for me. I was happy. Yeah, that's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, congratulations on that. I'm still over here childless, you know, and just enjoying my money and living my life, you know. And 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 uh, we gonna keep that pushing for as long as we can. Yeah. You know, no pressure on us. Now my good vibes is a little more, you know, um, distant from myself it's not a personal good vibes but i just thought it was good in the time that we're living in such a disconnected day and age everybody's on their phones turning their phone all day and somebody took that turned it into a positive so uh there's a company who has started an application of some kind where you can now send compassionate texts to random strangers and get them in return so okay Uh, Although people are using their phones more than ever before studies say that people across all age groups particularly millennials are lonelier than ever. That's why we're always, we care about the likes and the retweets yeah. and who commented on our status. I saw somebody today and, 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 and look, people grieve how they grieve and it is what it is. Um, Baltimore has been a lot of like overdose deaths of, for as you know, since I've been out of high school. Yeah. Been a lot of people who I knew, who I knew like adjacently. Like I remember walking past them in a high school, in high school, we were might not exactly be friends, but I knew of them. Yeah. Another one of those situations, somebody passed from a situation like that recently. And the person, like, just, I don't understand the status of, oh, my, I just found this out. This person died. I need time. I can't believe this. If anybody wants to hit me up, hit me up on Facebook. My phone is off right now. I was like, I don't, if somebody really close to me died, I'd be off of social media for, like, a couple days. Yeah. You know, so so the notion of being, the, the moment me finding out something like that and in the moment I pull my first reaction is to pull my phone out is scary and I hope I'm not ever at that point. Well, I feel like I don't like it because when you say hit me up and messenger my phone is Yeah, it feels like you just you want people to say sorry to you. Yeah, and it's a lie. Unless you're on the who uses Facebook on a computer? Yeah. What do you mean your phone is off? Yeah. I don't know. I just (laughs) we live in a weird time, man. We talk about it a lot. I'm sure people are gonna have that's probably a conflicting thing. I'm sure some people feel like, you know, if you you reach out how people grieve how they grieve or whatever. Yeah. I just feel like I'm not jumping on Twitter yeah. when my grandmother passes away. Yep. That's that's time for me to call my mom, talk to Sierra and grieve personally. I don't feel I like, hit you up yeah. on I'm gonna hit you up on my phone. Like, yo, my grandmother passed is crazy, huh? I'm not gonna like tag you in a status on Facebook fifteen minutes after I found out somebody close to me passed away. 
Yeah. So I don't know. People don't like people it. grieve how they grieve. But anyway, uh, Text for Humanity, the world's first texting switchboard, was launched by cloud communications company, uh, by cloud communication company Cinch in partnership with Mental Health America as a means of fighting social iso- social isolation from people's cell phones. Uh, one of the quotes from one of the people who work for the companies is, today, nothing is as personal and emotional to uh, to us as our phones. That's sad. That is, this is supposed to lift me up. We are really, <laughs> we are really close yeah, to becoming robots. Yeah. Uh, but although we use them 24-7 to communicate, we seem to feel lonelier not not happier uh cinch cmo jonathan bean told good news network at cinch we believe mobile communication is the solution not the problem so what if people could start to get unconditional love from people from phones we love unconditionally yeah i don't it's, so it's just, still using your phone. Yeah, it's still your still face is still buried in your phone, but you're getting a positive message, and everybody doesn't get positive messages. Is the silver lining? I'm gonna but finish. That's what, but that's what everybody. I feel like that's the whole one of the main points of social media is to get a reaction from yeah people. I'm gonna put a caveat a caveat on my good vibes this week. My suggestion is go out and talk to somebody. Go to a bar. Yeah, like. like I'm gonna continue this because this is there, this might be the only way idea. to this might be the only way to some people are so lost in that living in the second life and on and on Xbox Live and on t- t- Twitter trolling that this might be the first step to them having a real com- conversation with a person. So step by step, but like join a social group. Join, they have you know adult sports clubs. Join a kickball team that's not serious. Like a cup in hand kickball team yeah. where you drink beer and you kick ball and nobody cares what the score is and you're just having a good time. That's my caveat to this. I will continue my good vibes because it is good vibes. I'm not trying to bum, in, bum myself out or anybody. Uh, so they said, we made the world's first texting switchboard where you send a text you would love to get to a stranger. He continued, uh, and in turn, you receive a text that someone in the world right now needs to hear. Because we're more open and honest with strangers, these words have the potential to be relevant, personal, and powerful. After all, we are all human. All the users have to do is text the word JOIN to the corresponding Text for Humanity phone number of their country. After that, the users will simply be asked for their first name and country of origin. But I feel like this has a chance like, of like... like a dating site. Also, this has chances of like, what if somebody sends you something really dark? Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to continue. It's good vibes, man. Hey, friend. It's good vibes. Um... You you put your country of origin before they re, before they ready to before they ready to write a kind message up to 160 characters long. Each text is then sent to another random user somewhere in the world. In return, the user receives a sweet text message from another random stranger. Users can send and receive up to 5 texts every day. Since the service launched across 23 different countries last month, more than 7,000 kind texts have already been sent and exchanged. Mental Health America CEO and President Paul Gianfrido said, quote, we know there's a lot of negativity online these days. And by taking a minute to deliver a simple positive message to someone who, ne- who may need it, each of us can brighten, can help brighten someone's day and lift their overall mental health. So, like I said, I kind of shit on it at some points there, but it's nothing wrong with sending kind, kind words to somebody who may need it. So that's always a positive thing. Again, my caveat is go out into the world, make real conversation, make real conversation, make real connections. Because another negative about today and age 
from a more surface level is you can say all the right things when you have 10 minutes to write a thing. That's why that's why you don't even need game or conversational skills or anything to be like hook up with people these days. Yeah. Because you can you say can right you got 10 minutes to say the perfect thing that they want to hear that can trick them into thinking you really like them, thinking you're a great conversationalist, thinking you're really intelligent when really you just could go to Google, look up a reference to some movie that you see they have in their bio that they love and talk about them, whatever. You don't have to be, you don't have to do the work. In real time, face to face, that's when you have to do the work. You have to really be good. You have to be quick. Somebody throws a joke your way. If you don't have it, uh, you stumble. Oh man, you stumble. Now they're laughing at you not being quick and you recover from that. You get your confidence up and that builds your social skills. Yeah. People's social skills are on a zero these days. I feel like, like I said, I think I said this before, our generation before, we're lucky, yeah. Because we was outside. It was all new. Day and yeah, I'm talking about not even social media. Oh, okay. We were outside all day. Yes. Talking to people. One, I was like, yeah. Now it's just people make friends. People got lifelong friends off of Xbox, and then finally meet them twenty years later in real life. Yeah. Like yeah. I think I don't know. People I don't. Just, people. People aren't squatting up and going to go book numbers at the mall. Nah, man. They already got them booked from Twitter and telling them to meet them at the mall. Before, you know, before they, which, you know, we were on the tail end of that too. Yeah. But we also had to, man, that girl's cute. I dare you to yeah go, go to Zoom, go into Zoomies and ask her for a phone number. Yeah. You know, so those are, that's a part of growing. Yeah. But also we didn't have FaceTime. So you can do that. And then you got FaceTime before you actually meet the person. It's, FaceTime, you doing it in person. I just, I just don't think it's the same thing, but that's just my opinion. But wait, what are you saying? You, but you, but I mean, I mean now, like when you meet somebody on social media, right? It's just messages, and then you Facetime before you guys actually meet in person, right? 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 So that's that's like a meeting, physical face to face, yeah, meeting. Yeah, we didn't have that. It was just like, oh, you talk to this person, oh, got your number. Picture looks cute. Let's meet at the mall. Right? 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 So it's still, yeah. Then you got to figure out, you know, what they if you like how their voice sounds. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in some in some in some aspects they have it easier, but another, I I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade being told by a girl at the movie theater, "Oh, I'm I'm engaged," yeah. and it's like we're fifteen. Yeah. For the lack that. of social, oh yeah, it was that, that was a blow. I had to eat yeah. that. I, I I carried that for the rest of the night, like y'all. It, but no, but that. she was engaged though. Yeah. It's like we're all like fifteen years old. Yeah. She didn't want to talk to you. I wouldn't trade that for the lack of social skills that have come as a byproduct of having more access to people now. It's like you can now you don't have to go and go through that rejection phase. You can just swipe and swipe and swipe until you match but the lack of social skills that come from that I wouldn't trade for the convenience mm-hmm. these days and I don't even think these kids really realize it until they go out into the working world and they don't know how to talk to the boss or don't know how to make eye contact with people like an adult or shake a hand like a man or they just don't know how to be an, a, a person in the moment with another person yeah I wouldn't trade that for yeah man I hooked up with this girl last night just swipe left and she was like it got it got it uh, uh, approved or whatever it says I don't know I wouldn't trade that for being like socially stupid yeah so it's different different times man yeah man so if you want to opt into that go ahead and opt what into is it that. called um let's see it's a good question I will tell you in just about five point five seconds so it is called uh, text for humanity and you can look it up and get the details um 
if you Google text for humanity and then I think you just, you know, text join once you have the phone number, Mm -hmm. text join to whatever the phone number is and then you're in and you can send a positive message to somebody and a positive message will come your way in turn. So if that's what you feel like something you need, I'm all for it. Sometimes you want to wake up to a happy text message. I'm all for that. Um, My recommendation is get out of the house, go meet a person, join a social club, join a sports group. Go to a bar, like Fran said, and just sit and fucking look at the TV and strike up a conversation about with somebody about what's going on on the TV. Talk to people, man. We're all we're all cogs in this machine of the human experiment, man. We can't just all be in our house looking at TV, not talking to anybody all day long. It's not healthy for the soul. I don't know why people were put here. I don't really know if there's a reason why we're here, but at the very least, we're meant to interact with each other. So go out and do that. And uh, with it's that, it's not even like a text. It's like I mean, it's not even an app. It's like a, yeah, it's like a text message you would get from a, uh when uh so you have Comcast to text you actually you. use your phone number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I don't. <laughs> You're out. Yeah, nah, that's too that's too personal. Yeah, yeah, it's might steal your identity or some shit. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, it, it sounded good when I read the headline. I thought it was good vibes, but as I started to read it, I was like, I'd rather people go out and talk to somebody. Yeah. So that's my suggestion. Fuck what I just said about that uh, phone number. I'm sure it's a good idea and mental health and all that kind of stuff. But go out and talk to somebody, man. Go out and socialize with somebody. But here's oh oh here's the caveat though, Fran. But we are being ableist because as two men who have both of our legs intact and are not disabled in any kind of way, we don't know what it's like to not be able to get out of the house. That's true. So to somebody who may not be able to walk, get out of bed, who may be morbidly obese and is bedridden, stuck in the house, this could be something that could help them. So let me not discount them from the benefits of this potential text uh, text chain and say that there are people who this could help. So and tell th- us some shitty person on the ad That's what I was saying. That's, you know, somebody's like, fuck you. you you're a loser for using this. Well, and then that gets dark and then nobody uses it anymore. Yep. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's hope everybody keeps it positive. Um, anyway, with that being said, uh, I, I hope, if you're listening to this, the Oscars already happened. I hope 1917 wins all the awards. I hope Parasite wins all the awards. I hope, I hope, uh, I hope, I hope, I hope all the, sh- all the movies that I like won all the awards. I think it's a bullshit that Knives Out wasn't nominated. I think it's bullshit that Loose wasn't in more categories. I think it's bullshit that um, there aren't more, there isn't more representation this year. But we're having this conversation every year, and we also shouldn't look to the Academy or the uh, the Grammys to like um, validate people's artwork. If it's good, it's good. It doesn't matter if it gets a trophy. But the trophy is cool. I understand that, and therefore the movies that I saw that I thought deserved the trophies, I'm rooting for. Also, it's Black History Month, so I got to root for Harriet and uh, Cynthia Arrivo for whatever she's nominated for. Hope she wins. Haven't seen the movie, but I'm voting, I'm rooting for everybody black. And with that being said, I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans, and we'll see you guys next week. Deuces.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 